This podcast is a member of the Voices of Wrestling podcasting network. Visit VoicesOfWrestling.com to hear the rest of our great podcasts, as well as show reviews, columns, opinions, and updates across the world of wrestling. listening to the Voices of Wrestling podcast with your hosts, Joe Lanza. Next out, go listen to some boring podcast where they're afraid of their own shadow. Okay? Don't listen to Joe Lanza. Because Joe Lanza's not changing. And Rich Crage. <laughs> Give me a name. I like Who delivers <laughs> this guy in a big spot? Joe, don't yell at me. Like in, the, in the big spot, who delivers better than this guy? <laughs> Stop yelling at me. I agree. And we are live here on the Voice of Wrestling flagship podcast. I'm Rich Krejci, alongside, as always, the king of banter, Mr. Joe Lanza. Joe, we're doing a Wednesday show here, a rare, rare uh, live Wednesday show for us. Well, yeah, you're, you're lucky I'm here. I mean, this is, this is March Madness week. This, this is, is week usually a week. Off. Yeah, people, people always, because if, if, if anybody ever wonders why we tend to do like pretty heavy WrestleMania weekend preview podcasts and that sort of stuff, it's usually because... I start getting ready for that because Joe essentially tells me around this time every year, uh, yeah, I'll, I, I'll, be, I, I'll try to be around. <laughs> like, it's always sort of a, yeah, you know, well, let me, hold on, let me see what the schedule looks like. Let me see what games are going on. Like, uh, in a normal week, yeah, I don't, I think we're completely skipping this one. Non-COVID, we're probably skipping this entire week. Because Wednesday is usually the, uh, the, not the play-in game, but the whatever the hell they call it, games. That they count they're as not, the real NCAA tournament, but they're not really. They're not playing games. They're part of the tournament. I said, what, round. I said the quote unquote playing games. <laughs> I can't stand when people call them playing games because those teams are already in. They're not playing to get into anything. They're they've already qualified for the tournament. Yeah, but their they're lines not, are weird. They're like, I mean, every everywhere else in the bracket is nice and even, and then there's this little weird line that goes out here. I mean, that, that it's weird. It's strange. Listen, don't besmirch the eight teams. That play in the opening round. They've earned their bid like everybody else has, but they got to play the extra game. That's what you get when you're the conference winner of the SWAC or the MEAC. <laughs> okay, you got to play that extra but game. But those are usually on Wednesdays, right? Okay, yeah. So the reason I'm here, normally I take off <laughs> right. the week of March Madness because <clears throat> there's games from two, the games start on Tuesday and then obviously run all the way through the weekend in a normal year, but because this is a COVID year, uh, all four of the uh, opening round games are being played tomorrow on Thursday. So there's no games on Tuesday or Wednesday this year. So, you know, I'm able to do the show because, you know, I, there's no there's no games going on tonight. So we moved it to Wednesday and I'm able to be here. But, yeah, this is traditionally the week where I take off from doing the show because I'm watching the March Madness, but not this year. There's four games tomorrow, though. So uh, all four of them. Or tomorrow. I kind of like that. I'd rather just spend all day watching them instead of the two on Tuesday night and the two on Wednesday night. And then usually on Thursday, the the, the meat of the tournament That's starts. That's when the shit know. hits the fan. Yeah, Thursday is the from 10 a.m. until 10 p.m. is There's just shit going on all the oh, time. Oh, right? yeah, 11 a.m. To, to 1 a.m., basically, depending on what time zone you're in. And that's normally Thursday, Friday is the first round. Saturday, Sunday is the second round. This year, they're doing the opening round games on Thursday. So that first wall-to-wall day isn't until Friday. So they're doing Friday, Saturday for the first round, and then Sunday, Monday for the second round. So Monday is going to be another one of those days. So I actually kind of like this format better. I'm going to see what I think about it after we go through it. 
But it's kind of cool because now instead of having Thursday, Friday, Saturday, Sunday, you get Thursday, Friday, Saturday, Sunday, Monday with basically wall-to-wall games now. So, and you don't have to, you know, worry about the Tuesday, Wednesday. You could, you could take a breather. There's no games. You don't have to worry about it. You know, so it actually, this format might actually be better. But, you know, this is what they're doing for COVID. I don't know if they're going to keep this moving forward. But, um, but yeah, anyway, that's why I'm here when normally I'm not. Yeah, this is but, normally uh, a week that, that you would take off. So are, they're, they're allowing fans in Indianapolis, right? Uh, yeah, they're, I think it's 25% capacity, hmm, okay. which is going to be different for each building because they're – okay, so they're running Hinkle Fieldhouse. Yeah, that's where Butler plays or whatever, yeah. Where, yeah, uh, yep, home of Butler. Um, they're running the, the dome, but like they're cutting the dome in half and running games at the same time on each end of the dome. Oh, yes. That's so there's awesome. Dome one and, there's dome one and dome <laughs> that's two. That's fucking cool. Yeah. All right. Do you remember remember when the Spurs used to play in the Alamo Dome? And of it would, course. Like, be like half curtained off yeah, or there, whatever. Yeah, like, we, we, uh, Jason Mann and I in the Over and Back podcast did a whole uh, thing about, you know, the stadiums that, you know, the giant stadiums that had to house uh, basketball teams. And yeah, the, the, the Alamo Dome was an incredible one. The best of all time was the Pontiac Silver Dome, though, with the Detroit Pistons because they, they had to lop off like, you know, 95% of that entire thing and put like a set of bleachers on one side. But then when they started doing well and started making, you know, big runs into the playoffs and stuff, they're like, fuck it. And they opened that thing up, man. And they were getting huge crowds for those days. And they're like terrible way to watch a basketball game in a giant dome like that. But yeah, they made it work. And there was like a weird blue curtain on one side, but Hey, it, it ended up working. And the, the Atlanta Hawks had used the Georgia dome for a little while too, which led to some crazy, like 50,000, you know, attended, you know, it was like a Michael Jordan versus the Atlanta Hawks game or, you know, obviously the Chicago Bulls versus the Atlanta Hawks in like 97 or 98. And yeah, they put like 50 or 60,000 people in the Georgia Dome for that. And I'm like, hell yeah, that rules. Like, that's awesome. I'm a big fan of, of, of giant stadiums uh, being retrofitted in, in, in weird ways to accommodate basketball. So I'm into this. Yes, they got the Lucas Oil Stadium like cut in half. And then Hinkle Fieldhouse, uh, Banker's Life Fieldhouse, Indiana Farmers Coliseum, Simon can't pronounce this guy's last name skadat assembly hall hmm. Mackey arena look these are all indianapolis area so these all must be where these local yeah you got uh, iupuis down there you got butler yeah. is there you got uh, yeah there, there's there's plenty of options of, 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 of buildings in that area and off the top of my head, I, I'm not familiar with what schools play. Yeah, in which, by the way, is always why I said WrestleMania weekend should come to Indianapolis. Not only because it is so close to me, but they literally have like ten arenas within like you know twenty miles of each other. It's it's so. St- I mean, the Super Bowl goes there for a fucking reason. Everything is centrally located. All the bars are in one area. You have the uh, what used to be the Conseco Fieldhouse or whatever the Bankers Life Fieldhouse is 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 you know here, and then two blocks away is Lucas Oil, and in between there's a bunch of bars and stuff. And I mean, it's a great city for that sort of stuff. And I I know that like it doesn't have the cachet of of hollywood or you know all this sort of stuff yeah. but man i always always wanted there selfishly obviously because it would so you know it's a very very close drive for me to get there but also because i really do legitimately think it'd be an awesome town and, and especially uh in the indie boom era of 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 wrestlemania weekend when that was actually worth going to a lot of those shows i thought it would have been a tremendous place uh to, to host wrestlemania weekend but uh yeah no. Now I don't. Now what? I guess I don't really care as much anymore if they have it. So who plays at this Banker's Life Fieldhouse? That's the uh, Pacers. That's, that? that's the Pacers and the whatever the hell the oh, WNBA okay. team is. Yeah, 
Has that has that changed names recently? Uh, it, it, so it was friends? the Conseco Fieldhouse forever, and then I have no idea when it turned into the Banker's Life Fieldhouse. I so that's a big major basketball. Yeah, yeah, that's a big so. place. Yeah, you can get, but but actually, it's weird because it's built in a. It, it's it's weird because a lot of the new NBA arenas all you know they all kind of look the same. They have the first level, and then you have a row of skyboxes, then the second level, and then a row of skyboxes, and then like the upper level. Well, uh, the Conseco Fieldhouse, Banker's Life Fieldhouse, whatever the hell. Uh, the reason it's called the Fieldhouse is they really sliced a lot of that up. It's kind of built like an old school stadium. So it gets loud in there when you pack it in, and there's not a ton of area uh, for skyboxes and whatnot. And they, they did it in a creative way where it, it is actually a pretty cool place uh, to watch a basketball game. So, man, I'm trying to think here. i got to tell you, I, I think – I get a little uh, vaccine. I, get, <laughs> I might have to get over there to Indianapolis. It's the, the mecca. Uh, yeah, I mean, <laughs> like, I'm, I'm looking at it, and it looks like to me that the Hinkle Fieldhouse got the best first-round matchups just on paper. Um, so And the Lucas Oil di- gimmick – didn't get. I figured they would have had big matchups, but they really don't. Um, for whatever reason, it looks like Hinkle got the best early round stuff. The Banker's Life. I mean, maybe they figure Hinkle. Okay, maybe they figure at twenty five percent capacity, you're going to have a better atmosphere in the smaller building. Absolutely, as that place is going to rock versus yeah, putting tw- putting however m- amount in a half split up, and that dome is fucking massive too. I took a tour of that place, and it is the biggest. I mean, I, I haven't been to the Dallas Stadium. Uh, whatever the hell it's called, Cowboy Stadium or whatever. The, I forget if it's got a name yeah. uh, to it. But uh, this thing, uh, Lucas Oil, was like the most ridiculously large building I've ever been in in my entire life. It's just fucking stupid large. And yeah, so 25% capacity there with, you know, two. It, yeah, I, I think it'd be a pretty, actually a pretty shitty atmosphere. Whereas Hinkle with 25,000 people or, or 25% capacity would be pretty damn cool because it's just a, it's a, it, it, it's a box. You know what I mean? With a, with a court in it. So that'd be cool. Hinkle has all the 8, 9, 7, 10, 5, 12 type matchups. So on paper, and here's the other thing. Here's the other indicator too. On both Friday and Saturday, the coverage opens up with a matchup in Hinkle. And, and viewers are there, and it's unopposed for a half hour. So you, that's how you can tell that that's the venue that they're prioritizing. Okay, On Friday, the whole country gets Florida versus Virginia Tech at 12.15. And there's not another game until 1245, and that's out of Hinkle. On Saturday, it's Colorado-Georgetown, 1215. There's not another game until 1245. And both of those are coming out of Hinkle. Hinkle also has um, – it's got the BYU versus the Michigan State-UCLA winner. It's got uh, Loyola-Chicago-Georgia Tech, uh, San Diego State-Syracuse. Uh, so they seem to, got, to get the best uh, – draw out of these buildings early now tomorrow thursday ucla michigan state as an opening round game i mean i think that's going to do a big number on tbs um it doesn't tip until 9 57 eastern which will hurt it a little but i mean you know michigan state's in the central time zone ucla's on the west coast so that'll help but um weird timing with these four games thursday okay 5 10 eastern is the first is Texas Southern Mount St. Mary's two sixteen seeds, but then at six twenty seven, they've got Drake and Wichita State, the two elevens, and eight forty, which you think would be the best window. They're putting Appalachian State, Norfolk State, which is two sixteen. <laughs> Speak for yourself. That sounds like a barn burner. I don't know anything about those teams. So. Well, wouldn't you put you? Well, they're sixteen seeds. Yeah, no yeah, yeah, no yeah, yeah, yeah. Wouldn't you put UCLA, Michigan State at eight forty? Rather than 10 p.m.? It's pretty bizarre. You know, the one thing I'm a little 
interested about as far as the, the scheduling. And, and yeah, I've kind of looked over it a, 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 as well. Not a, obviously you're the, the, the college troops fan of, of the two of us and you know the teams and all that sort of stuff. But, you know, just looking from afar, I'm really surprised that that Thursday and, and I guess to a lesser extent Friday, they're not packing more stuff in during the days on, on those two. And I know I, I, I guess I understand why they're doing that. But of all years to say fuck it and just run games all day on Thursdays and Fridays would be, I think, this year, where a lot more people are working from home, a lot more people are home, a lot more I'm people. I'll tell you why they did. Yeah, what? You, you, what you're saying makes sense. Like the old schedule would have been better because people are going to be home on Thursday. And right, Friday. right. Whereas normally you got to like pretend you're sick and stay home. Yeah, yeah. I mean, everybody. The ratings are still ridiculous, and everybody at work's watching it anyway. But yeah, <laughs> it's 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 all it's COVID concerns. They're giving everyone an extra day to got get it. in, okay. get their COVID testing, got it, got and it, all it, that. Make, it makes so, sense. And, okay, that makes sense. That's why they backed everything up because normally you're playing the opening round games on Tuesday and Wednesday night, two each, one on each night. The 16 seeds play early, and then oh, the, the play, 11... the playing game, right? You know what? <laughs> I'm going to come through the, the screen here. I, that really bothers me I know it does. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I, I it's should not, disrespectful. I should not be smirched. Uh, I'm going to find out what teams are playing in those games. I just probably. told you the teams. <laughs> Norfolk, State. Oh, Norfolk State. I'm sorry to Norfolk State uh, and, uh, and, and Texas, Texas Southern. So... My argument has always been, if you're a 16 seed, okay, if you're one of these 16 seeds, if I'm a coach or I'm an athletic director of one of these teams or even a player, I want that game because it's a chance to win one and get some momentum going. You know what I mean? You've got a television window all to yourself, the whole country's watching, and you're in a position where you could actually win a game as opposed to being one of the 16 seeds that gets just – you know, a lamb being fed to the lion on Thursday or Friday afternoon where you're just playing Gonzaga or something, you lose by 50. Nobody watches because it's a 28-point game at halftime. You know what I mean? I would rather play with, with uh, you know, I get a, a game on TBS all to myself. Everybody's watching, and I could win one. And then I get a little momentum going before I play the one seed two days later. Well, how do you? What would you do? What would you prefer in that scenario? No, no, no. I'm right with you. I, I think it's it's and and what we've seen from the NCAA tournament. A lot of times, it is just about like you know hitting at the right time or getting some momentum or kind of getting the guys. Like I always remember, VCU was one of those as well. They were one of the quote unquote first four teams, right, and made it all the way to the final. They four. were they were an 11 seed or a 12 seed that yeah, year, something but like that. yeah, they were in the first yeah. Four. So they weren't like obviously the 16s. The 16s, yeah, you're you're not gonna. But no, I mean, I think it's a, it's it's yeah, it is. Is it better to you know go to the first round and in a normal year just get absolutely run out the gym by Kentucky or is it better to you know get in, you know win a game and say hey we won a game and, and tell recruits hey we won a game in the NCAA tournament last year like you know yeah I think that's you'd av- obviously prefer that over uh, just getting now, absolutely destroyed in in the first round so yeah I mean just think of the experience for your for for your players I mean you can play one of these games. Uh, these opening round games and get the full experience and maybe even win a game and then play a second game or your tournament experience could be over in the first 16 minutes of the first half when you go in there against Gonzaga and you're, and you're down 28 points. Right. And then, you know, you're playing an entire half of basketball, of meaningless basketball. You got blown out. Your spirits are down. Whereas if you play in this game, you could win a game. You're on TV for the whole window. And uh, maybe you get two games out of it. And then you don't feel so shitty about yourself if you get blown out by the one seed. Now, look, if I'm these 11 or 12 seeds that have to play the opening round, I'm not happy. Because those are real teams that have a chance. And having to play the extra game is a major disadvantage. It's UCLA versus Michigan State. Those are two <laughs> programs that yeah. don't want to have to play an extra game. 
Okay, so from that, I, those teams I wouldn't want the. That's a bad draw. But if I'm a 16 seed, I almost prefer that. Um, I don't know. That's the way I've always felt about it, anyway. But I, um, I'm, I'm always a big fan. The, the reason I, you know, I don't really follow college basketball a ton, but I'm a fan of the tournament, not because of the brackets and stuff. I find that kind of annoying and irritating and stuff. People tell me, "Oh, who'd you pick?" And it's like, "What do you care? I don't care who I pick. I don't know any of these teams. You don't know any of these teams. You really just want me to tell you? Uh, I'm just going to yeah. list colleges that I you know, like. But yeah. what I love about it is just finding out these universities that you've never heard of before, and they're really weird uh, mascots, and they're pretty cool colors, and these coaches that you've never heard of but become they become hot shots all of a sudden and these random players that you know hey what's you know who knows what's going to happen with those guys and I remember a, a Damian Lillard many 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 years ago in Oakland right he was he played for Oakland California and that was like there or uh, no yeah yeah he was Oakland, Oakland Michigan. California right but uh, or, no, no, Oakland's Oakland's Michigan no no there is an Oakland in uh or what what the hell did Damian Lillard play for what, what school did he play for uh, t- oh, Damian Lillard is from Oakland, California. Maybe that's where I, I mix it up. Yeah, forget where he. I don't know where he yeah. went to college. Oh, he went to. Um, I'll look it up real quick. Uh, Damian Lillard went to Weber State. That's right, that's Weber where- State. Yeah, yeah. And I feel like they made yeah. a little bit of a run there and, and had some fun. But yeah, Oakland. I remember Oakland, Michigan. I was like, I didn't even know there was an Oakland, Michigan. There is. And then, I mean, the favorite of all time that that most people bring up, and and you know, my favorite of all time. Uh, was Florida Gulf Coast, which I never knew existed. Oh, thanks. Until yeah, they had, yeah, sorry, but they had an awesome run. That team was Dunk so City. cool. Everybody, I mean, if if you weren't around, if you weren't a, a basketball fan, or you don't remember Dunk City with Florida Gulf Coast, they were the biggest story in basketball for like a week and a half because it was just this random school that nobody had any fucking idea what it was. I remember they found out that there was a beach, like the school has a beach. Like an official beach that the school, you know, you're done with your classes and there's an official school sanctioned beach next to your, your, your school, which sounds awesome, by the way. And then they came out and played and every one of them had dreadlocks and they all were six foot eight and just threw down dunks. Like it was incredible. It was so awesome. I, that team, I always, yeah, that was my favorite tournament experience ever. I was watching Florida yeah. Gulf Coast and their parade of six, eight dreadlocked guys just throw down alley-oops left and right. It was incredible. Sorry. They're a 15 seed. They beat Georgetown. Here's the thing about the incredible string of upsets, upset losses that Georgetown suffered in the John Thompson the third years. They ran they, <laughs> exactly what people li- tune into this show to hear about the <laughs> the gut wrenching losses by John Thompson the third at Georgetown. So go ahead. So perfect, perfect. You brought it up. Can I defend some of these? <laughs> sure. Losses? Yeah. Go ahead. They ran into buzz saws every time. Okay. The year they lost to Florida Gulf Coast, that team won another game. People forget that they went to the Sweet Sixteen. A couple years earlier, when they lost to Davidson in the second round, they lost to Steph Curry. They could, I mean, <laughs> you've all seen Steph Curry. He couldn't be covered. He, they, they had Jeremiah Rivers on him. Yes, that's Doc's son. Okay, the other Doc's other Yeah, son. the other the one that's not in the NBA, just for the record. <laughs> so the one that's not in the NBA, who, who averaged, I think, about two points per game in college. First, he went to Indiana. No, not Indiana. He, no, he started out at Georgetown and transferred to Indiana. Uh, Patrick Ewing Jr. did the opposite. He started Indiana and transferred to Georgetown. But anyway, I digress. So he stuck Jeremiah Rivers on him, who was all he could do was play defense. Terrible offensive player. And he just torched Rivers for like 40 points. But again, people forget Davidson went to like the Elite Eight that year. You know, on, uh, you know, on Steph Curry, that's where he made, that's where Steph, that was Steph Curry's coming out party. So it's like, yeah, Georgetown has had these humiliating losses to double digit seeds over the years, but it always seems like they run into these buzz saws, you know, that that just run through the tournament anyway. So I had to defend the Hoyas there. Hoyas were <laughs> back in the tournament this year, by the way. Big East champions, Rich. Big East champions. Last week they had just won second round. Then they beat they beat Villanova. 
beat Seton Hall, and then destroyed Marquette in the final by 40. So uh, Hoyas are back. We're going to beat Colorado on Saturday, okay? 12-15 CBS Hinkle Fieldhouse. I know you'll be checking it out, Rich, because you're a big college basketball fan. But I'm letting all the uh, listeners know, too. Hoya Paranoia is back. I don't know about Florida State in the second round, but I'm pretty confident. <laughs> but hey, hey, you know what? Listen, the way they're playing, I think they could be – I'm not impressed with Colorado. Colorado has three quad one wins all year. I mean, they just cleaned up on that uh, terrible uh, Pac-12. I don't have any respect for the Pac-12. I think Georgetown uh, has better wins than – I think they could beat Colorado. They're only four-point underdogs, okay? Um, you, know, if, you know, Florida State, that'll be a trickier matchup, but we'll deal with them when we get to them. But Colorado on Saturday, we're the double-digit seed this time. Okay, now we're playing spoiler. You also mentioned VCU a few years ago. You know who they beat in the first round after they won that opening round game? Uh-oh. Georgetown. Uh-oh. And that was Shaka Smarts coming out. <laughs> yeah, they, they were great. That was and a good, really good team, too. And, yeah, they, the revelation was that he is a, a pretty damn good coach. So, that yeah. Right. Again, another buzzsaw. They went to the <laughs> Final Four. They went all the way to the fucking Final Four. So that's three examples. You know, they lose these double-digit seeds, but shit. You know, it's just luck. You just get a bad draw. Well, but uh, you can see I'm fired up for you're this fired, You're fired up. Yeah, yeah, it'd be nice. Yeah, you know, I, I have no no ill will towards Georgetown. I'm, I'm growing up and enjoying. So I grew up in a different era of Georgetown, but a very similar era of Georgetown. Allen Iverson. Yeah, I, well, actually, I, I was more of the Alonzo Morning guys. Uh, I liked that That's, team, yeah. That was, uh, uh, you were a little young for that. That's no. 89 through 93. No, I mean, I was. You remember Morning, huh? That's yeah, fair. yeah, I was, I was, a, I, I, I was a pretty hardcore sports fan pretty early in my life like in yeah. a weird way like like i was the wake up and read the newspaper when i'm like four years old guy and read the sports section type of dude you know what i mean like so yeah no, i i yeah i people are always kind of surprised they're like yeah that was like 1991 like how would you remember that and i'm like no I, I i was like four or five and like really into like everything i was way into uh you know cover watching stuff and and, and breaking it down and thinking about it and stuff so yeah that's morning matumbo charles smith yeah that was that team mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Uh, they went to the Elite Eight mornings uh, freshman year, lost to Duke. That was that uh, Bobby Hurley, Christian Leitner. No, no, that wasn't Leitner yet. That was uh, uh, who was the uh, Danny Ferry. That was a Danny Ferry Duke team. They lost to in '89 mornings freshman year, but then they lost the second round the next three years. They ran into UNLV, one of that that Larry Johnson, Stacy Augman UNLV team one year who just buzzsawed everybody until Duke picked them off in uh, in the final. Uh, and then they, they they were upset by Xavier in morning's sophomore year. I think they lost to UNLV in morning's junior year. And they lost in the second round to – I can't remember the senior year. I'm mad at myself, but I can't remember who they lost to in that in that uh, in morning's senior year. And remember, Matumbo was a year ahead of morning, so he was gone. Right, right. He, he graduated the year before. Um yeah, but uh yeah, more that was a that was a good run. And then and then of course the Iverson years, Allen Iverson. Uh, he was only there for two years, um, but you know he he was tremendous. And then one, once Iverson left, that was pretty much it for John Thompson, the OG John Thompson. Um, he retired a couple years later. The bad Craig Escherich years, and then John Thompson the third came in. You know and they went back to the Final Four. That was with Jeff Green and Roy Hibbert and uh, and that crew, Patrick Ewing Jr. Yeah, that's your you know, team. You love that team. You always, that was, you that always was a really fun team. team. <laughs> I mean, that was a really fun team. You know, that was that was you know, and then the next year was the year they lost to Davidson in the second round. But remember, Jeff Green had left. Jeff Green left after his junior year, so Jeff Green left after they went to the Final Four. So uh, I'd like to replay that Davidson game with Jeff Green on the squad, <laughs> right? Yeah. Right? right, Steph Curry. Um, 
but yeah, you know, Bob McKillop's still at Davidson. He's a good coach. That's cool. Yeah, I, I like those. I like the guys that stay. I, you know, that, that's always a cool thing too, where the guy goes on a miracle run and just stays. Just says, "Nah, I'm, I'm good. I'll just get more money from the school." And it's pretty cool what I got going here. Like, uh, you know, Loyola. I mean, there was a big crisis in Chicago last year when that Porter Moser or whatever was going to leave Loyola and stuff. And he's like, "Nah, I'm good. Yeah, I got a good job here. <laughs> you know, I got a job for sometimes, life now. Like, you're not going to fire me now. Like, I'm here forever." Sometimes so. they leave and it doesn't work out. Like, look at um, look at Dan Munson. Okay, he got Gonzaga going. <laughs> yeah. And he leaves. He goes to Minnesota. Okay, Mark Few was his assistant. He takes over. Mark Few's been at Gonzaga for like 21 years now. Uh, they've been to the tournament uh, like 23 straight years. Right. They Might win years it this year. Could win it this year even. Number one overall seed. Mark Few is just a, a legend out there. Um, you know, Munson leaves. He takes the money from Minnesota. He flames out there. Goes to Long Beach State. I mean, and they haven't done shit. I think they've been to one tournament. You know, and he, you know, he took a chance and, and he, he got burned. You know, you talked about Florida Gulf Coast, Andy Enfield. And he left Florida Gulf Coast, took the USC job. Now I get it. That's big money. You know, Florida Gulf Coast can't pay you what USC pays you. But, uh, but you know, it took him a few years to get USC going. He's married to a super hot woman. Have you ever seen Andy Enfield's wife? Uh, I remember her during the tournament. Yeah, that was another part yeah. of the, uh, the 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 pieces because there was it's always about the stories too. So it was like Florida Gulf Coast. They're like snap, quick little underdogs, and then when they found out that he had a hot ass wife, all the TV cameras every time they're like Andy Enfield's wife, really uh, living and dying by every possession here. And it's just like, okay, guys, we get it, we get it. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But, uh, yeah, that's always a calculated risk. But, you know, you got a guy like McKillop. He stays at Davidson. He's comfy. Look, the guy's like 70 years old now. You know, why would he want to move? He's been there for 20 years. You know, but uh, – and they're good. They've been back since Curry left. I mean, they, they, you know, they moved up to the Atlantic 10, and they've been in the tournament a few times. I mean, he runs a good program there. Uh, but, but yeah, that's uh, – some college basketball talk to open things. I'm fired up about the there college basketball. There you go. Yeah, ball. well, um, I could do this for three hours. <laughs> I, I know you could. Yeah, I, unfortunately, I, I don't know that I could because uh, I have not much to add. But uh, I can I can name schools for you, and I, I know I you're know little bits and pieces. You're the one who who forced these tangents, though. You're bringing topics up and then off. I know. I, go. I know. I know. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Well, this is uh. Well, I I don't know. We have a so we have an ad read about March Madness. So we just do it now and get it out of the way now. I think it would be fitting. Because if we right talk wrestling and then go back to this ad read, you're definitely going to talk about college basketball I'm again talk for it again. hour. Yeah. So while yeah. we're here, I do want to let you know that March is here and the madness has officially begun. It's time for you to shoot your shot, Joe, and score big on the nonstop action with MyBookie. Select the winners from 63 tournament games in the MyBookie bracket contest for a chance at one or 10000 not even $1,000, $10,000 in cash prizes, and it's only a dollar uh, to enter. So people that are listening live, you want to get on this very quickly as well if you're listening on the uh, the feed you have. And so when's that first game on uh, on, on Thursday, Joe? Uh, what I say? 510 Eastern okay. or something so like that? So you got until 510 Eastern to fill out this bracket challenge for a chance at $10,000 in cash prizes, only a dollar to enter. And it doesn't matter whether you're filling out multiple brackets, betting the national champion winner, or simply looking for a player or a game prop bet. MyBookie has you covered. Uh, you sign up today at MyBookie.ag and use the promo code VOICES. Our promo code is VOICES again uh, to secure your deposit bonus up to $1,000. And make sure you use our promo code so they know that we hooked you up. That's promo code VOICES to claim your first deposit bonus. And it's not just college basketball. They also have NBA, NHL. No matter the sport, no matter the minute, MyBookie puts you in the action in your hands with in-game live betting and with uh, thousands of lines and odds. You can turn any game day into payday. Bet anything, anytime, anywhere with MyBookie. MyBookie.ag, promo code VOICES. But again, you want to get in that bracket contest before 5 Eastern. 
my bookie bracket contest, ten thousand dollars cash prize is only a dollar to enter as well. So that's a it's a great bet. Um, real quickly, while 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 we're on the topic, do you have any early kind of betting advice for any of the uh, the early NCAA tournament for people that maybe have never bet the NCAA tournament before and, and and are just jumping in and have no clue, you know, what's a bet? I mean, not only just the bracket, not only just filling out a bracket, but actually betting the games and and, and watching the games and you know participating on my bookie. Uh, when they use that promo code voices, of course, uh, any any sort of advice you can give to a, a, a novice gambler? I'm, I might be asking for myself selfishly as well. So go ahead. 12, 12 seats historically do well. If you look at the double digits, the 12 seeds, versus 12 six, seeds. 12 versus six, right? 12, five, 12, five, or 12, five, the, 12, five. Yeah, yeah. That's the magic matchup where where really historically do well. I'm looking at Thursday night, the, the first four. These should be competitive games. The lines are all low. Mount St. Mary's, Texas Southern is a pick them. Uh, Wichita State. Is a uh, well, Drake's a one and a half point favorite uh, against Wichita State. Appalachian State's a three point favorite against Norfolk State and Michigan State UCLA. Uh, Michigan State's minus two. So these figure to be competitive games on Thursday, which means if you play the money lines, you can get some really good odds no matter which way you go, uh, since the lines are all really low. So you're not going to have to like if you love, if you happen to love Michigan State for whatever reason. Uh, you know, and, and want to lay uh, heavy, heavy lumber on Michigan State. You're not going to get killed with the VIG because they're only they're only minus 135. I mean, these are all tight matchups, so you're not going to be laying you know minus you know 250, minus 300 on any of these teams. And on the flip side, if you like any of these small underdogs, you're going to get some good odds. I mean, you know, I'm looking at uh, Norfolk State here. Norfolk State is uh, three point underdogs, they're plus 135. So if you feel strongly about them for some reason, and I doubt anybody listening is up on Norfolk State basketball. Um, Speak for yourself. No. Yeah. You know what, the Norfolk State? Here we go. Uh, they just had a guy drafted a couple years ago. He played for the Knicks. Oh, shit. And they won a game in the first round about uh, seven, eight years ago. Um, I can't believe I brought this up because now I have to find okay, I, it. I can, I can get this. Uh, I, I think. Oh, Kylo Quinn. Kylo Quinn. Yeah, yeah. Kylo Quinn. What year? That's probably longer. Good little player. Years. Yeah, I don't. Uh, I don't know when. Uh, let me see. He it looks like he was there from 2008 to 2012. He's still in the NBA. Uh, yeah. No, I think he. I know. I think he plays in the Turkish league, but that was just as of last year. He was in the NBA until last year. He was with the uh, Sixers last year, but yeah, I don't know. Yeah, now I think he's. Yeah, he's in the Turkish basketball league. So. I guarantee you, on Thursday night, you're going to see highlights of Norfolk State's uh, Norfolk State's upset of. Michigan State, who were playing uh, the fourth game that night, that Kyle O'Quinn-led team. Um, oh, no, I'm sorry. They beat Missouri. I thought it was Michigan State for some reason. But they beat Missouri in the first round with Kyle O'Quinn. They had a monster game. Um, let me see if I can find it because I, I, I remember that because I think I lost money on it. Let me find the game. <laughs> um, yeah, Kyle O'Quinn had 26 points and 14 rebounds. And uh, I think he pulled down a rebound at the buzzer. And then there's that iconic shot of him. Uh, similar to Matumbo on the Nuggets when they upset. Uh, who they upset in the first they round? They upset the, the Seattle, Seattle Supersonics. You know, that, that iconic shot of Matumbo, game five, holding the ball. You know, that there's kind of a similar iconic shot of uh, Kyle O'Quinn after they upset Missouri, which I'm sure you're going to see a million times during that Norfolk State game on Thursday when they play uh, – Appalachian State. If they get by Appalachian State, I wonder which one seed did they draw. Let me see if I could find that. And then we'll, I swear we'll do some wrestling. Um, Gonzaga, the winner of Norfolk State, Appalachian State gets Gonzaga on Saturday night. Rich, 
Gonzaga is fucking awesome. I don't know if you've seen. I, I watched them. a few games, yeah. Because occasionally, what'll happen is uh, Michelle will fall asleep uh, when we're sitting in bed, and I'll uh, I'll just kind of you know jump around to different channels, and and I've actually caught a a, a good amount of Gonzaga this year just to kind of watch. Because usually they're like the plucky little team, and then you watch them, and you're like, yeah, but the shit that they're doing, like you know, this is back in the, I, I, this is going back like you know 15 years or whatever in those days when like they were just kind of the plucky little team, and they could kind of out hustle you and outwork you and hit some threes and win games or whatever. And I always remember people being like, oh, they're going to go on big runs like, and all that sort of stuff. With, and, with Blake step. And yeah. Casey it was Calvary always like, and, and people were like, Oh, this is the, I'm like, they're not, look at them. They're, they're Morrison. And, yeah. Adam Morrison and those guys. And it's like, dude, no, they're How about Ronnie Turioff. I do. Okay. No, Ronnie was a guy, dude. Ronnie was a boy. Yeah. So that was good. But uh, no, like, so I always saw those teams and I was like, yeah, I didn't really, I didn't buy into the plucky underdog story. I was a little, you know, I, I don't know. I didn't really love it that much, but yeah, I've watched them this year and they are just fucking a well-oiled machine. I mean, it is unbelievable to watch them. They, they have, they have like legitimately gr- really, really, really good players. They're all like just an absolute machine. They're well coached. Yeah. They're, they're unbelievable. I was watch. I would watch a lot of their games at, night and just watch them dissect these teams and you know it'd be a 10 point game and then like you turn away and then it was a 25 point game and then a 30 point game and then by halftime it's just like oh we're down like 35 points okay well that's the end of that so you know and then they bring in the reserves for the whole second half and still fucking run you out running you out of the gym so yeah they could shoot just three pros on that team they defend um you know this is not gambling advice i you know i'm not saying pick them in your pool i mean if i was i don't do it's weird because i don't do ncaa bracket pools you would think that i'd be super into that but i don't do them um you know i'd i'd probably take them i i can't imagine i'd pick against them though uh they've just looked incredible um all year long and it's a weird year no duke no kentucky uh north carolina's down they're like an 8 seed um so a lot of the blue bloods aren't really in the mix this year. Villanova's not as good as they normally are. Uh, so the one seeds are a little weird. You got Baylor, you got uh, uh, you know Gonzaga. They're not often a one, although they're you know they've been a one before. But uh, you know Illinois, mm-hmm. you know with Cockburn looks real good. <laughs> um, you know Illinois is a real trendy pick among gamblers who. You know, among the one seeds, they've become the, the the trendy pick of the sharps. It's not like you know people aren't aware of Illinois, but um, you know the public's betting Gonzaga, obviously, and um, you can get some decent odds on Illinois. But um, yeah, they're, they're well rounded too. They got they they can shoot and defend. They got a big man, obviously, with Cockburn. And I just like saying Cockburn. You like, yeah, you like saying Kofi Cockburn, but uh, yeah, they got some dudes. Great name. That's some guys that I saw in, in high school as well that were really, really good players too. So yeah, that, that's always been a problem for Illinois is getting guys in state. And anytime they do get guys in state, they usually end up pretty well. And yeah, they got two dudes from uh, uh, Morgan Park, which is a, a school that I used to see a bunch. And those guys are awesome, including uh, uh, Ao. Uh, I forget. I, I have no idea how to pronounce his last name. And Adam Miller are two guys. I, remember, I know the guy. I tell you, yeah, remember yeah, watching? Yeah. yeah, he's like a, he's like a first team All American. I think I, I didn't. I never thought he'd be that good, but I mean, yeah, when you're six five and Jump out the gym, it, it certainly helps. So, and Brad Underwood's a rising star. Yeah. They got two Puerto Ricans on the team too. I like it. They're, I don't know where he got these two Puerto Rican guys, but it's you like the racial mix. I do, team. yeah. Like, if, yeah, a little Carlos Arroyo out of there. Just like, yeah, without like, usually you get like your one, like, hey, hey, this guy's from Puerto Rico, and he, they got two Puerto Rican guys, and they're both like decent players. <laughs> Wait, from Puerto Rico? Yes. <laughs> yeah. So Brad Underwood has a recruiting pipeline. I don't know. Yeah, I don't know what he did, but yeah, they're they're they're. So you enjoy the diversity. Of I do. Illinois. It's a very fun, diverse team. Yeah, you got your, you got the, the coach's son is on there to slap some asses and get that GPA up, and then you got yeah some Puerto Rican dudes. You got yeah, it's 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 nice. You got the Jamaican guy Kofi Cockburn. 
And uh, yeah, that's... is he from Jamaica? Yeah, he is. Yeah, I didn't know that. He played in at Oak Hill Academy because yeah, if you're good at basketball, you end up going oh, well, Oak Hill you know, Academy at some point. But uh, yeah, he's, he's a high school slash basketball. <laughs> right, right. But he is he is from uh, Jamaica. Yeah, Kofi yeah. Cockburn is the guy we're talking about, of course. That's from Jamaica. Uh, Underwood might not. Eh, he I don't. Might he's bolt. not staying. No, he's not staying, dude. I, I that, mean, that always, it always nice hurts. Job, no, it's, you know, it's, but... it always hurts Illinois guys. But like Bill Self, the second he he won, he was fucking out of yeah. there the next day, and everyone's like, "What?" But Illinois, is a... and it's like, no, it's fucking Kansas, dude. <laughs> like, it's not, you're not. They're still upset about that to this day, and it's like, bro, you're not like. Uh, oh my god, Eric Gordon. Do Do you remember the Eric Gordon controversy? I, 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 it's ringing a bell, but I don't so know. He, like, so he remember. signed with Illinois, or he, he said he was going to yeah. sign with Illinois, and then Indiana was like, hey, do you want to come to Indiana? And he was like, oh, yeah, fuck yeah, I'd rather go to Indiana. And, oh, my God, the University of Illinois people, how could you choose Indiana over Illinois? And it's like, pretty easily, it's Indiana. Yeah, like, yeah. It's one of the prestige basketball schools in the world, and you're Illinois. Like, uh, pretty pretty it easily. It's I mean, not that hard, Yeah. You're Big Ten, but you're not. You're right. You're, you're not, not Indiana, blue and you're not, you're not Kansas. Blue. You're not. You know. Yeah. So. Yeah. Exactly. So, um, and he's won everywhere. You know, he he was the Stephen F. Austin coach when he he took them to the tournament every year, and then one year at Oklahoma State, I think, one or two years at Oklahoma State, and then um, it, it took him a couple of years, but he turned Illinois around, and they'll be a player as long as he's there. I mean, he's a he's a legitimate coach, but uh. This is a wrestling show. It is. Yes, it is a wrestling show. That is it. We will we will conclude it here. MyBookie.ag, promo code VOICES uh, for all, all your March Madness betting, the MyBookie Bracket Challenge. That is it. Pro Wrestling, Joe. Let us talk about it uh, moving forward. So we have a lot to get to in the pro wrestling world. We got WWE Fastlane, Vroom Vroom, coming up this Sunday. I know you're champing at the bit there to talk about WWE Fastlane, Vroom Vroom, but we're going to hold off on that. We'll talk about it a little bit later. We have New Japan Cup. We're going to catch up. Uh, on that, what we've seen, including a, what, a match I gave five stars to. I think you loved the match as well. We'll talk about that one at length. Impact Wrestling's Sacrifice pay-per-view. Uh, NWA is coming back this weekend with uh, Back for the Attack, their show that will air on fights. We'll talk about the card and some of the uh, the booking decisions and, and, and what we can kind of expect uh, from the NWA. I might jump into WrestleMania weekend as well, just kind of a quick look at what's going on uh, WrestleMania weekend, uh, including WrestleMania ticket sales, some indie shows, and some other uh, stuff going on. But before that, we do want to get to first here. Pro Wrestling Noah. So I can't say it let off the show because 40 minutes of college basketball talk let off the show, but our first wrestling topic, Noah, something we have not done in a while. I'll lead off the show here with Noah. Uh, and as you and I both unfortunately predicted last week when we previewed this great voyage in Fukuoka show, Keiji Muto, in the main event, defeats Kaito Kiyomiya to retain the GHC Heavyweight Championship. Joe, what do you make of the decision to have Keiji Muto win, beat Kaito Kiyomiya, and also, what do you think of the match? I mean, obviously, it wasn't unexpected, uh, but, you know, this is the direction they're going, and they're not going to change course. He's got another match coming up against Masa Kitamiya next. He's obviously going to win that. Um, so as we've been talking about with the two-year contract and, and, uh, and the win over Kiyomiya, it, it looks like this is going to be a substantial title run. I mean, he's, it's going to be V2 at minimum because he's going to beat Kitamiya. That's not a GHC oh, God, uh, yeah, level wrestler. Which we'll, so, we'll talk about that here in a bit. I mean, that, that was also the, – the booking of that was pretty ridiculous, but we'll talk oh, about that. Oh, yeah. Well, I hate that too for – yeah, I'm sure I hate it for the same reasons you do, uh, that that's the next opponent. But – um. Uh, you know, because he's just going to cut through another young wrestler, which 
is really a shame. You're right. And not, um, not that I want Kitsumiya. I, I don't think he should win the GHC title. Like, I don't want him to win the no. title. But, yeah, it's it's the optics of it. And it's 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 everything that kind of led up to it, which we'll we'll talk about when we're done with the match as well. But, yeah. Yeah, I mean, so this is their strategy. I guess they think that Muto is going to bring them mainstream attention and uh, get them the kind of but but and 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 help them with their their growth uh, moving forward, which is why they gave them the long term deal and put the title on them. Um, it's hard to tell with COVID crowds whether it's taking or not. Um, you know, I detest and really don't like talking about COVID ticket sales or COVID business because I right, think right. I think there's just way too many variables, and I think it's impossible to break down. And I really don't like talking about it, um, so I, I'm going to regret bringing this up. But you know, it's it's hard to tell whether Muto's having a positive effect on business. I mean, I know people will say, "Well, the Muto Shiozaki match outdrew New Japan the same week in the same building in Budokan." But I mean, okay, but let's look at this for a second. New Japan had El Desperado in the main event as an emergency replacement. And everyone and their mother knew that that wasn't going to draw. I mean, Dave Meltzer told people that wasn't going to draw, and people acted like, you know, Dave was, uh, you know, out of his mind and 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 out of touch. And you turn around, it didn't draw because it's Desperado in a main event, and he's not a main eventer, and people weren't excited about it. And on the other side, it was Noah's anniversary show, right, 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 loaded up with legends and Muto in the main event and all these things. So I'm not all that impressed. That it beat New Japan. It's not. It wouldn't have beaten a real New Japan show head to head. No, a, and all this. Lineup. Yeah, all the attendance stuff and, is kind of weird too, because you have no idea what the company's thoughts are on 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 booking people and or and and, and how many people they get into different arenas and whatnot. And I know that there's people that are doing some studies uh, about New Japan attendance right now and looking at some stuff that that looks like New Japan is consistently like a little bit below just about everybody. So we don't know if that's a decision that they're making to say, hey, you know what, let's just sell you know a thousand less tickets or, or five hundred less tickets or hey, we have a bigger, you know, setup, so we're going to sell less tickets or, or whatever it is. Like, who the hell knows what it is? But it's so I, I, I'm I, with you. Like, the idea that we're, we're we're counting, like, 18 people is like, oh, man, they got 18 more. You know what I mean? It's just like, you know. Well, here's it, the thing. It's like, if, if that would have been Hiromu in that match, I, you think they would have drawn what they drew? I mean, come on. It, 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 no one wants to see Desperado in the main event. And, and people who were being fair about it understood that. But that, look, I don't want to beat up El Desperado here. That's not the point. The point here is, it, it's it's a shitty comparison. And on top of that, okay, so Noah reported what forty one hundred or something. Um, yeah, let me see what that, their exact. Let me show. see what their exact number it was. Like forty one ninety two, if I'm not mistaken. Um, the 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 Pete Rose number forty one ninety two, I think was the unless I'm getting it mixed up. With, so uh, no, I think this one says if I'm re- looking at this right, it says one thousand two hundred thirty six for this. No, show. that's Fukuoka. I'm talking about. Um, oh, sorry, 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 sorry. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm talking about Budokan. Yeah, the fortieth anniversary. Or whatever anniversary it was, um, no, not fortieth. Um, whatever anniversary it was for Noah in Budokan, the uh, Goshiozaki. Yeah, well, that was yeah, that was destination back to uh, that. So that was uh, four thousand one hundred ninety-six. So oh, I was off by four. Um, yeah, so here, here's my counter argument to how allegedly how well that drew. Why didn't they sell out? Why didn't they sell every ticket that was available? Okay. If it was non-COVID and Noah put 4,000 fans into Budokan, are we throwing roses at that? Of course not. We're saying it's either kind of a bomb or what we kind of would expect a Noah show, which is a big anniversary show with Muto in the main event, would do, right? I mean, 
am I the only one not impressed with that? No, it seems like people are so impressed with that forty one hundred yeah, number. I, my my if stance. If from... was this mega draw, right. if he was this, if he was drawing in all these me, uh, casual fans and this mega draw that people are pretending that he is, why didn't they sell every ticket that was available for that show? That's my question. Yeah, I, I think my 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 thing has always been the optics of it is is really what hurts me the most, and and to me like breaking down the business and selling you know four hundred extra tickets or whatever or. or Five hundred extra. T- I don't. To me, that's just like I. I don't care. I, I honestly don't care about that. And and it was my argument when they were going to put Muda in that spot originally. I was just thinking, well, if Muda was just on the card somewhere, like I. I don't know. Would 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 that sell enough tickets to placate what they're really looking for, or what they really want, or like I don't know. To me, it's just like I. I don't see the value in in this. I. To me, the 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 cost and the cost benefit analysis and that sort of stuff is you know the the, the cost right now is we have terrible main events in Noah, which we'll talk about here in a bit. And there's people lying. In themselves this match was good and it was not good it, we'll, we'll talk about it in a bit it was good because of one man and it wasn't KG Mood. I'll tell you that uh, but like we're, so now we've we've greatly reduced the output in the main events of Noah I think we've greatly you know reduce the amount of output in all these the, the entire show because there was another match on the show that featured good wrestlers that was absolute garbage uh there's been plenty of matches i think with really really good guys that have, have, have been kind of garbage and a lot of your good wrestlers are kind of being now put into you know tag teams they're being put into multi-mans they're being put into stuff so you know the the, the cost is the shows themselves are nowhere near as good as they were even last year, you know, one of their one of their great breakout years, the year where they really seem to kind of break through uh, and 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 do it. And the benefit would be okay that you're you're growing, that you're getting more people, you're doing that sort of stuff. I just I don't know. To me, I wouldn't use this COVID era as a time to book as many old people as I could to sell three hundred extra tickets. Like that's that's not what my goal my, would be. My goal would be look at fuck it. We can't put more than twenty percent capacity in these buildings or 25% capacity in these buildings. Okay. Let's just, let's use this as, as you know, a, a, a breeding ground or you know, get guys ready now for when we are ready to come back, we'll establish them. We'll get them wins. We'll get them titles. Honestly, you know, even though I, I, I absolutely hate what, you know, what the result has been and it's not the guy I would choose, but last year, what new Japan did with evil, I think honestly is not the worst idea to say, well, fuck it. We're going to have these half buildings. No one's going to be able to make any noise. Let's just try it out. We'll give them the title, and then we can always use them as a main eventer, and we can always do this and always do that. Like, I get why they chose Evil, and I get why Evil then kind of got that push last year, and it was the perfect year to push him, uh, even if, yeah, obviously the results have, <laughs> have not bore that out. But, like, I, to me, I don't know. That's just not the strategy I would use is to say, hey, let's book a bunch of really bad old guys that are going to make all of our young talent look like shit, and then when fans come back, we'll just hope that, like, all of a sudden – they're now interested in Noah and then all these young guys that got their ass kicked by all these old guys. Now we have to rely on them to draw. And now all of a sudden they're going to draw and, and people are going to really be interested in them. I, I don't know. I just don't see the connection here and, and, and people picking out, you know, hundred to 500 extra tickets being sold. That, that that's not going to be enough for me. It's just not. Yeah. And you know, and, and I'm not, all that impressed with 1200 people in Fukuoka either. I mean, I, you know, Oh, biggest number they've done in Fukuoka. And yet, well, they've never run this building. They're running the bigger buildings now because they're getting deals because of COVID. Um, so I don't know. I'm not buying this idea that that KG Muto is is uh, is drawing people again. Again, sell every ticket in a forty percent or whatever it is capacity Budokan. Then come talk to me. Mm-hmm. They didn't even sell every ticket. So four thousand tickets. Can we pump the brakes on this? Now I'm not saying that they would have sold as many tickets without Muto on the card. But my objection was never that Muto was on the card. Yeah, I don't know. If you want to book him, go ahead. Absolutely. Say Keiji Muto's going to be there. Say 
all these other shitty guys that never drew when they were original. But say Keiji Muto is going to be there. You know, what? I, I have no I, no problem whatsoever with Keiji Muto being on the poster. And I have no idea, no problem whatsoever with Keiji Muto doing a tag match. I have no idea. No, no problem whatsoever with that. That's a different animal. No, we would never. I don't think you and I would ever say that. You and I have always said if we booked a promotion, if we booked a company, we would spend all of our money on like one star and then just book a bunch of local guys. <laughs> like maybe the star wouldn't win our world title. But yeah, we'd make sure that people went to the show because there was that one star there. Yeah, I have no issue with that. Yeah, my objection is putting the title on them, right? And and you know how awful this looks and perception wise, because for every, you know, I'll play along for every casual or lapsed fan or mainstream person, and, and you know, the ticket sales don't indicate that that are impressed by this. Um, you know, you know, Japan has hardcore fans too, who who probably don't like this and aren't into this story. Um, and to me, it's not worth, like you're saying, sacrificing your roster to this guy who just can't physically do it anymore in exchange for whatever minimal return you're getting in additional tickets sold. Because um, he's not filling these buildings. I mean, he's not even filling these uh, minimum capacity buildings. I mean, if he was selling every ticket, I'd have to say, all right, well, you know, what are you going to do? It's working. Right, right, right. But I'd still have problems with beating some of these guys. But what are you going to do? You know, they're trying to sell tickets. That's the name of the game. But they're not even selling every ticket. But again, this is – but I hate doing this in because there's so many other factors when it comes to selling tickets during COVID. Are you in a state of emergency? Are you not in a state of emergency? Uh, did numbers spike today? Are people scared? Are people not scared? There's just so much that goes into it that I really do think it's a waste of time to uh, – to really dig in because at the end of the day, I, I, it's, it's impossible to, to analyze in a fair way because there's too many uh, mitigating factors. Mm-hmm. But what you can analyze and have an opinion on is Keiji Muto now beating your 24-year-old future ace not once but twice. And look, I don't get it. If Kiyomiya would have won this match, then you can almost say, okay, well – you know, they wanted to get the title back to Kiyomiya, but they wanted to save Shiozaki versus Kiyomiya for down the line. So you use Muto as kind of a transitional guy. I still don't love it, but I can understand it, right? But that's not even what they did. He beat Kiyomiya again and made him look like a total chump. Yeah, tapped his I mean, ass get... out. Yeah, tapped his ass out in the middle of the ring. I mean, you have these Noah matches that are absolute wars. That's the style. Okay. These matches are wars. It's a battle of attrition. You know, it's like one guy has to kill the other to keep him down and beat him. And then you have, uh, Kiyomiya here losing to this weak looking shitty offense from a guy who just cannot physically move anymore. And he looks like an absolute chump in the process. I mean, this is not good. We talked about Go Shiozaki and how absurd it was that he has to sell for Muto. This was even worse. Oh, it was terrible. Yeah. Because you've got this 24-year-old guy who – and no matter what you thought of the match, Rich, I can promise you I thought it was worse because I thought this match was atrocious. I thought this was one of the worst world title matches I've seen. I'd have to think back to the last non-fiend – world title match that didn't involve Bray Wyatt or something silly, like a match that was supposed to be a real match. 
and I honestly can't think of one this bad off the top of my head. Wow. I mean, the yeah. first 10 minutes, I- I'll walk you through it. Yeah, go ahead. Go ahead. I, mean, I-, I will say I will will say that I didn't think it was good anyway. I- I- I'm-, I'm probably at about two stars. I just <laughs> I'm just but I do think, though, that, that to me, what-, what I saw from this match, as you kind of walk walk me through it here in a bit, is that yeah. Kaito Kiyomiya has gotten really good. And this match would have been what to me, it would have been like kind of like you're describing. It would have been an absolute unmitigated disaster if Kato Kiyomiya was not a good wrestler these days because he had to wrestle a literal broomstick here that can sometimes throw shining wizards. So I give all the credit. Any amount of, of credit that this match can be given has to be given to Kiyomiya, who I thought was looked good and had to work his ass off to try to make something out of this, to make something out of this match. And ultimately, I don't think he achieved it. And like I said, I'm still two stars. You you think it's absolutely terrible. I at the end of the day, though, like I I I'm just left when it was over. I was just thinking, oh my god, imagine if Kiyomiya didn't go in there and say, fuck it, I'm going to give 110 percent of my effort to try to make this thing into something because I thought he worked his ass off and 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 got whatever little bit of fucking juice he can get out of Keiji Moto these days, which is almost literally nothing. So I thought the match was a complete farce. I thought it was below two stars. I, I think it's like a one star, one and a half star match to me. I thought it was really terrible. Um, the first 10 minutes of this match are Muto and Kiyomiya exchanging side headlocks because it's very clear that Muto is not feeling good and cannot move well. So they spent the first 10 minutes um, you know, exchanging side headlocks. They do a transition spot. Then the other guy would take over with a side headlock. And it was to minimize Muto having to stand or move. And I'm not trying to be funny or facetious. No, I mean, that's, that's literally what, what, what it was for. Yeah, it was designed yeah. to let him catch his breath and not have to stand on his knees. And not that have to can't, stand. Yeah, exactly. He can't stand. The guy cannot stand. If you notice in this match, he's not standing at any point. He's either laying down or throwing a shining wizard. That's the only two things I, he can I, do. Back end of the match, he, you know, he, 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 but the, the, the first 10 minutes of the match were designed to minimize the impact on his knees. I mean, that's a, clearly what this was. Um, and he was not moving around well in this. He was moving around in this far worse than he was versus Shiozaki. And he looked terrible in the Shiozaki match. So that's the first 10 minutes. Just completely dull, nothing happening, doing what they can with a guy uh, who cannot move. And then the middle portion of the match was Kiyomiya flying around and basically bumping a cadaver. Yeah. <laughs> yep. You'd have Muto standing in the ring, Kiyomiya, all of the action coming out of Kiyomiya, and Muto would bump. He was bumping. He was taking flat back bumps off of, you know, running back elbows, stuff off the top rope, or Muto would bump him. Okay, there was one spot right after the side headlock sequence where they did a leapfrog, and then Kiyomiya had to stand there for what felt like an hour for Muto to drop kick him in the back of the knee. And it just took Muto forever because he doesn't have – there's no – his reflexes are gone. His body doesn't respond as fast as his brain. So Kiyomi is standing there looking like a goof waiting to get drop kicked in the back of the knee. Muto drop kicks him in the back of the knee and then works over the leg. That was the next portion of the match. And then the closing stretch, I mean Muto, to his credit, attempted to put together some sort of an athletic closing stretch. But everything looks like, a, like he's struggling to do it. And not in the pro wrestling kind of struggle sense, but like he's physically struggling to do it. And he's completely existing on whatever charisma is left. Um, it was just hard to watch. 
It was boring, number one. Um, Muto is just so physically incapable that his performance was awful. And honestly, it was hard to watch. And I thought that the match was a complete farce. Because by the end of this, your 24-year-old stud is losing to a guy in a promotion where you have to kill the other man to beat him in the big match. He loses to this weak-looking offense. Um, you know, he went down too easily. It just it, it was a horrible, horrible look perception-wise for Kiyomiya to lose that e- easily to such a weak-looking opponent. Um, it's the, the bottom line is it's almost impossible to suspend disbelief from yeah, that, that that's it for me. It, it becomes like you said a farce. It becomes a, it's a farce. It becomes a cinematic match at some point where it's just like yeah, I don't I don't buy for a second that this 24 year old guy at the at the peak of his powers and and and, and whatnot and the, the the peak of his career with all you know it's so much training behind him and all this sort of stuff is is has to sell and act like he's being hurt by this guy throwing you know the weakest offense you've ever seen. It's just yeah, I, I can't. I just can't suspend my disbelief for it. It's 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 too difficult, and and yeah, that sucks. I mean, that that's and especially when Noah was such like, and and in some cases, quite literally, like those guys go in there and beat the fuck out of each other for forty minutes, and it's awesome, and that's great. Like I want to watch Sagira and Go Shiozaki beat the fuck out of each other for sixty minutes, and one man is left laying in a pool of his own blood, and the other guy is the winner and holds the title over his head. Like it's not that that's kind of what I want out of Noah, and I think that's what well, like, and at least in the at least in the Shiozaki match, Muto got a flash pin. Right, right, and I could buy, yeah, and that, and that, the way they yeah. sold that one was, oh my God, Goshiozaki, you know, he had it, him. he had it, he had it, he had it, and then Moodle caught him out of nowhere, and it's a shock of all shocks, and Goshiozaki gets up immediately and holds his head like, oh my God, what the hell just happened? And it was the shock factor of, oh my God, this old guy, he did it, he did it, he did it, and I hate that, but like, I get it, I understand that, I'm fine with, it. I, I could, I could suspend my disbelief that Keiji Muto, I mean, it looked horrible, by the way, he couldn't even do that, right? But I could suspend my disbelief that he caught Goshiozaki in one little moment and got his shoulder to the mat for three I, I could buy that I can't buy that he beat the fuck out of Keito Kimia and then fucking tapped him out in the middle of the ring that this kid no, had to then say well I am done I, I no longer can can face you I must tap out this 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 match must end because I am too hurt like yeah I can't yeah I just can't and, and to compound it it's the second time in a row he's beaten the kid Right. So now it's like even if Kiyomiya Well now Joe will be told, Oh well now if he beats him again if if if, if Kiyomiya can beat him after the third time, then it's really gonna be a scalp for this Kiyomiya. It's like all right. You know, I think we're done with that. I think we're past you, that at this point. He's lost twice. I mean, come on. Like, yeah, I mean, and what's that telling you when you're a twenty four year old stud, it takes him three tries to beat right, this decrepit right, old right, guy. Right, right, right. And people die, people know, just buy in that that's the well the end goal is like someone's gonna beat him and it's like, all right, cool, but like that someone's probably going to be Kiyomiya, and he's already lost to him twice. Like, it makes him look like a dork because twice he did lose. And it's like, I don't want to watch him slowly claw up the ladder to, to finally be able to beat this 60-year-old who can't even walk. Like, what are we doing? Like, come on. I, I, listen, and I like Muto as, ne- as much as the next guy. I've watched his whole Lights. career in real I time. I like Muto, I should say. I, I've watched his whole career in real time. I mean, you know, I'm, I was out there trading the tapes, baby. Okay, I have nothing against Muto. But... When it's over, it's over. And he's trying his best to hide these weaknesses. He really is. I mean, he's a very smart wrestler. I have no criticisms of him except for his physical deterioration, which he cannot control. No criticism. And we already went through this once with him where he was physically shot. He had a great resurgence. And this is like 15 years ago. I was going to say, this this is in all Japan. He had a great resurgence where he legitimately was having – great matches because of how smart he is and hiding it. And listen, the first Kiyomiya match I thought was a notebook match. I thought it was a four-star match. I thought it was great. 
which why I had some hopes for this one. And when you told me it wasn't that bad, I was like, all right, maybe he just works well with this kid. Because I didn't like the Shiozaki match at all. But this was, man, I, I really thought, you know, this, the, the, the only word, the word that kept popping into my mind after I, the match ended was, this was a farce. This was a farce. It, it just, it comes off, it, I think it's embarrassing. Um, it's hard to watch. It's hard to watch. I don't want to see Muto like this. You want to put him in a six-man tag in the middle of the show and do a shining wizard and do his fucking finger pose? I'm all about that. I have no problem with that. You want to put him in a main event against Go Shiozaki on a special show and try to sell some tickets? I don't even have a problem with that. But to put the title on this guy and run with it, it's like, this is crazy to me. And you got to wonder, you got to wonder what his body's feeling like at this point, too. Because, I mean, he's going in there and, they, I mean, they're, they're having these 30 minute matches and he's bouncing around a lot and stuff. I don't know. I mean, like, I wonder what the, I mean, I don't know how much longer can you even have this guy in these big matches, in these big main events. I mean, it was a 30 minute match with Goshiozaki uh, in, in, you know, in February. He comes back. I mean, dude, I play basketball. <laughs> I'm sore for fucking two weeks after. Well, here's guys, the thing you know, do, he has no legs, do, literally no legs, fake legs all around, everything. I, I get it, but if he's going to do one singles match per month or one singles match every five or six weeks, I mean, but this is what I'm saying. I mean, you can tell by the first half of this match that he had no interest in being on his feet for the first 10 minutes. Well, just to, just to kind of put this into perspective, he had two singles matches all of 2020, which obviously that's a, a weird yeah. year and a strange year or whatever. One was the Kiyomiya sure. match, like you said. One was against Tanaguchi, which was not nearly, you know, <laughs> it wasn't a 30 minute. It was like 13 minutes or whatever. 2019, he had two. One against Naomi Naomi Shimura Fuji, and one against George South at WrestleCade. You know what I mean? So like, we got to throw yeah. that one out. So we had one semi-intense match that went twelve minutes with with Mera Fuji. Then yeah. he didn't have a singles match for three years until 2016. We have to go back. He had one match in 2016, a match with Jiro that went six minutes. Then you got to go back another year, another singles match with Jiro that went thirteen minutes. One of those were in the trial series. Yes, yeah, the first one, went, the, the one that went six minutes uh, in 2016 was in the trial series. Yeah, so like we're talking about this guy who, who over the last five years, let's, let's conservatively say over the last five years, has had, what do you want to say, one, two, three, four real singles matches. You know, yeah, I'm sure the George South thing was a comedy. Yeah, right, right. Five minutes, five minutes and 15 seconds at WrestleCade. Yeah, he, he came in there no in his great Muda mask and sprayed some mist and... Probably, you know, did the pose and yeah, we, 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 yeah, I didn't see it, but I can, I can see it in my head. And now you're asking him now, like every month to go out there and do 30 minutes. Like that's, I, mean, I don't, that, Jesus, like, and it, it really, it even looks worse in a promotion where, like I said, you're coming off a title reign where people were literally bashing each other's brains in. And now you have this guy with this weak looking offense and, uh, you know, winning matches. Look, I almost feel like if he had to beat Kiyomiya. It should have been another flash pin. Put it over like he's this genius. He, you know, his, one of his nicknames is Wrestling Genius. So just put it over like he's this genius who's finding and exploiting these holes and pulling it off. That's a much better story than – I mean, he beat Kiyomiya definitively in the center of the ring. I mean, what are we doing here? Yeah. Mm -hmm. What are we doing here? Okay? Um, I'm sorry. If you think Kiyomiya is a future ace and they think he is. He needs to be beating the 58-year-old guy who could barely move. He can't be losing to him twice in a row. And look, I understand. Look, if, if you're a big Muto fan and, and you're enjoying the experience of seeing him get a little run here and you like his charisma and 
That's fine. I mean, it's not for me. It's not what I want out of Noah. You know, and I, and I don't. I'm not, I'm not trying to like shit on people's plate here. If you're if you're into it, but I simply don't see the benefit because I'm not convinced he's such an overwhelming draw that it's something you have to do from a business perspective. And I see no evidence that uh, of that being the case. And I do think it's it's somewhat damaging to have him beat all of these guys. And you know, Masa Kitamiya comes out and. I mean, look, that's not a GHC title level guy, but I don't know. It's it's now he's going to beat him, and we're supposed to buy into that. And what kind of a match can Kitamiya have with him? Kitamiya is a guy who who will lay it in, work a little stiff, right? I mean, he can't do that with this guy. What's it going to look like? And Kitamiya has been pushed pretty well lately, you know, and all his momentum is going to be curtailed. So, I mean, where are we going here? I think uh, no, one, one of the things that annoyed me a lot too, and God, I was enraged when I saw this one. Is uh, so when after the match, you know, they they come out there, they have their little, you know, yada yada thing. So Kitamiya comes out. Who, by the way, correct me if I'm wrong, Joe. Uh, he was in a match earlier in the night, correct? Masa Kitamiya. Yes. Uh, yeah, he was in the eight man tag semi main event. Yeah. Okay. Uh, who got the pinfall in that uh, match that he was in? That's the one match on the show I didn't watch. Okay. So I can't tell. I don't you. think it was him. <laughs> if I remember correctly, I don't believe uh, he got. It. I'm trying to confirm that to remember. I watched so a lot of wrestling this past score. work. I don't well, think they he lost. did. Yes. Oh, that's lost. right. Yeah. So of course. Yeah. Right. So that's like. So <laughs> this is what I'm talking about. What are we doing? Come on. No, Congo lost the match. That's I mean, right. I, I forgot that they lost. Yeah. It, yeah. There you go. Yeah. I forget who got the pinfall, but it doesn't matter because they lost. This team lost. So. Um. Yeah. That sucks. First off. That's a pretty easy win to just, you know, have the guy that's about to shout your world champion win in one of his matches. That seems like a pretty easy thing. So what happens is he comes in the ring and he does whatever the fuck. He does his Death Valley driver thing or whatever. Knocks Mudo out. Screams something and then leaves the ring. It Joe, 15 seconds after Masakitami is out of the ring, Mudo's up, holding his title, doing his pose. Yeah. Enraged. I was yeah. so mad. After a 30-minute yeah. match, a guy comes out and beats the you know, hits his move on you. Your ass is la- your your ass is not getting up and walking out. Yeah. He gets up 15 seconds later, grabs his belt, does his little pose, like nothing ever happened. Shrugs it off. Yeah. You're good to go. And it's like, oh, "All right, this is what you guys signed up for." So, cool. Enjoy it. So, well, I mean, you know, you can go right down the line with with some of the guys they bring in and I guess we'll talk about the rest of the show. Look, I think, I think Fujita is going to beat Cano. Oh, for sure, no doubt. I, I have really, no doubt. In my I mind really, now. Do. no doubt in my mind now. At this point, I'd be surprised if Cano wins that. And we talked about it last week. Look, if you want to have Cano go through the shooters, that's not a bad little story to kind of, you know, raise Cano up to a new level. He beats all these uh, shooters. Some of them, I hesitate to say legends because they're not all <laughs> legends. Some of them are legitimate legends. A few of them but, are, yes. You know, um, but that's not a bad little story, but it, it becomes a terrible story if he loses to Fujita at the end of the story. I mean, you can't have him lose to Fujita. You know, you can't do that. He has to win. And I really feel like I don't have any confidence they're going to do that. I feel like this whole story is not to get Kano over as a shooter killer and as a, as, as a new age shooter himself. Now I feel like the story was just to get to Fujita beating him. And Ron Guy putting over another one of his old buddies, another one of his old cronies. And that's not a good story at all. 
because, you know, Fujita literally gives you nothing. I mean, he he adds nothing to. I mean, you, you know, I'm sitting here debating whether Muto is a draw. I know Fujita. <laughs> he brings nothing to the table. Right. He was never a draw. Nobody cares. He's not a draw I mean, now. Yeah. Nobody gives two shits. It's just no one cares. The only people that cares are weirdos right? in group DMs that you know are listening to this and, I mean, and getting upset about it. So. I'm just, you know, I mean, you know, he, 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 no one cares. So it's just, that's not going to make any sense. And I'm convinced they're going to do it. Um, so, you know, I, you know, it's just, I don't know. I, I loved Noah's year last year. Loved it. You know, uh, I thought Ron Guy did a tremendous job. But this year's not off to a great start. It's not a great start, Rich. It's just not, yeah. Um, it's just, especially, I mean, we don't know what the we again. We do not know what the business will be. We do not know the long term. I know through history that you things like this are rarely successful. Strategies like this are rarely successful. It makes sense yeah. on its face, but like we said, the long term ramifications of having an old guy come in and beat the rest of your roster is not good. I mean, we it, it, it and that, and that stands. That's in America. That's in Japan. That's in Mexico. That's everywhere. I mean, the history of pro wrestling will show you that the le- the worst thing you can do is bring in stars in the past and have them beat all your young guys and all your up-and-coming guys. It just never, yeah. ever works for the long term. Maybe you get a little bit. Maybe you get a WCW thing where, hey, it kind of works for a little bit, but then it ended up you know, failing absolutely miserably and the company's out of business three yeah, years well, later. Yeah, we well, all, we all, everyone knew what was going to happen right. in WCW, and that's exactly what happened. Right. I mean, that's so, the one case that people will, will, will always bring up, and it's like, yeah, they went out of business three years later. <laughs> like, I don't know that that's exactly the one that we should be bringing up. And, and most other cases, it just doesn't. It 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 just rarely, rarely ever works. Um, so I don't know. I mean, it remains to be seen if this one's going to work. But uh, it's just I, to me, it just it doesn't seem like it's worth all this effort. You can book Keiji Muto. You can book Fujita. You can book these guys. Just there's no reason for them to win your titles and be in the mix and beating your young guys and and doing that. There's just and it's when they get their wins in the end and oh they're going to finally beat them. A lot of times it does not matter. You know what I mean? Like that that is also Time's just too late. So, yeah, that's a big fallacy. That's that's an old school territory fallacy too. Is that yeah. and and so many bookers have fallen into that exact same trap of okay, we'll keep it going and keep it going and keep it going and keep it going and then hey, they, he beats them and it's like ah, it's too late. Doesn't matter. Well, anymore. the time to do that, the time to do that was this match yeah. because Muto had already beaten him once, and Muto's win over Shiozaki was a bit of a fluke. So the time to do that was this match, and they didn't do it. So this was another opportunity to kind of get out of this. And they chose to just push more chips to the center of the table. Um, there's a way to do a, a Rocky story in pro wrestling. You can you can do a successful Rocky story. Um, but if this guy's going to have an extended run, that's not what this is. You know, um, he probably should have lost right here. I don't know what they got planned beyond Kitamiya. But I mean, is he going to beat Nakajima? Is he going to beat Sagara? I mean, how ridiculous is it going to look when he's beating guys like that? I mean, it's just that the optics are awful. Yeah. Not just from the standpoint of an old star. Even if, I mean, it's like not just from the standpoint of a guy who isn't physically capable, but also the standpoint of an old star beating your current stars. It's just, it, it, none of this is good. Um, maybe when COVID goes away, if he's still champion, you come back, people are excited to go to a wrestling show, you run another big building, you put him on top. That's where he drops the title. Maybe you pop, you know, one big house at the end of the rainbow at the end of all of this. Because I think when COVID does subside and we're able to fill buildings, I think fans all over the world are going to fill buildings. I think people are going to be anxious to get out, go to wrestling shows, and um, 
and be able to cheer and all of those things in the case of the Japanese fans. So maybe that's the goal here, you know, and then have him drop the title to whoever you think is going to be that next guy, whether it's Kiyomiya or whether it's maybe a, you think Nakajima's ready again or whoever, and then have them beat Muto in some big full building somewhere and have it look like a massive, you know, a big win on a massive show. Maybe that's the idea, you know, it's not the worst idea in the world, but you know, I'm only saying that in relation to how this is going. I would have never had a plan like that to begin with, but now that we're doing it, maybe that's how you get out of it. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I, I don't know, but I'm way less into Noah than I was just a couple of months ago. Um, none of this is interesting to me. That's the other eye. Now that's in the, the, eye, the eye of the beholder. Right. If you're into right, this right. old man run, that's fine. None of this is interesting to me though. I have no interest in Fujita versus Kano outside of, are they really going to beat Kano with this guy? Outside of that, I have no interest in the match. I haven't had any interest in any of these. I shouldn't say any of them, but most of these Kano matches against these these shooters, I haven't had much in. You know, Murakami and uh, um, Rangai, no interest whatsoever. You know, um, I thought the Sakuraba match was interesting. I thought the um, which one am I forgetting? Funaki was interesting. Right. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. But no interest in Fujita. I've, no. I've just never had any interest in Fujita beyond a very short period of time when he was over as a badass. You know, twenty years ago or whatever. Uh, but um, what if, okay, let me throw this at you. What if the idea is Kano beats all of these guys and then the final boss old guy is Muto? And it may, and it, what if this is designed to give Kano a run with the top belt? Yeah, I, I don't hate that. I, I don't hate that story. I, I, I don't. Yeah, that's, not, that's, that's a decent way to do it. Um... I mean, I don't think Kano is top guy material. I love Kano. I love his nasty attitude. He's a dumb jock wrestler. I like him in the place he, he is, really, more than anything. I like him in the place he is. Yeah. I don't think he's an ace. I don't think he's a top guy. Um, but I but he might be my favorite wrestler in the company. Well, Nakajima probably. But the, after Nakajima, it's probably Kano. I just don't know if he's a top guy. But I guess that wouldn't be a bad little story, right? I don't hate it. Yeah, I, I don't hate that story. Um. And there's a lot. There's a lot that has to get. You know, have to happen to get there. But yeah, I don't. I don't hate that. If that. If that's the plan that they actually do, I. I. I'd be down. I'd be down with that. And then from there, he's got long-term stories and rivalries with all of your your Kiyomiyas and your Nakajimas that you could branch off to, into from there with your title scene. Yeah. So that I don't. Know, but I'm just trying to think of ways that they can get at. Their plan might just be Muto's <laughs> our champion, yeah. and this is it. Right. Right. I, right. I don't know, but um, obviously I didn't like the match at all. I really thought it was a, a, a just hard to watch, embarrassing, kind of a farce. Um, I don't know what I threw into the grapple app, maybe one and a half or something. I don't know, but you liked it a little more than I did, I guess. Well, I mean, to a, to a, to a two star degree, so it's not like I, it's not like I really really you enjoyed it. It was an average match. You yeah, was an no, match. no. I think to me, I like I the all of the the ratings that i gave all of the credit that i give all the praise that i will mention of this match the 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 very small amount of praise that i will mention is all cuz of Kiyomiya. i thought he was tremendous in this match because he was literally working with a stuffed pillow you know what i mean like that that's it, like you mentioned that one part of the match where he is just 
bouncing all over every single part of the ring to, to knock this guy down. And Kijimuto, you know, will occasionally fall on his ass or whatever. Like, he gives up. Boom, boom, boom. He's doing, I mean, like, you know, I thought he just did everything in this match. And it was just to me a singular, like a tremendous singular performance by this guy that, that I was like, dude, yeah, this guy, he's got it. He, he, he is now, I'm a believer now in him. And yeah, this type of match, he would not be able to have two years ago. He would not be able to have a year ago. This match would be an absolute unmitigated disaster two years ago with Kiyomiya in the spot that he's in now, but he's gotten so good that I think he ended up got, getting this to at least an average or passable point uh, for me. But yeah, 100% of the credit to, to Kiyomiya for, for his effort in the here. I think people, I think fans really don't... There's a term that fans use a lot that I don't think that they fully understand and they misapply and they use it far too often, and that's carry job. This was a carry job. Yeah. This was one guy fucking stinks and we have to hide the weaknesses as best we can. And the other guy, you know, this was, I'm not going to go as far as to say this was Ric Flair versus El Gigante or Ric Flair versus 300 pound junkyard dog or, you know, whatever other classic true carry job you could think of. But this was a carry job with the term being used properly. And a lot of times people use that and it's like, they don't know how to, they misapply the term, you know, but this was a true carry job because this was one guy bringing nothing to the table other than some charisma and some presence. And the other guy bringing a hundred percent of everything physical Yeah. and, 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 and really working his ass off. So didn't love it. <laughs> I um, can tell, yeah. Doesn't sound like it. Do the rest of this show here. Yeah, yeah. Let's run want? through it pretty quickly here. I don't. I don't have I any. I don't have a ton stunk. of strong. Yeah, I don't. I was gonna say I don't have a lot of uh, strong takes. And when it was show. over, I was just kind of like, man, why did I waste my time watching that entire show? This was not, not good. good. Yeah, there was there was some stuff I liked, but a lot of stuff I did not like. So, yeah. Um. All right, I guess let's just go through it quickly. So. We had O'Hara and Yohei. That's full throttle, and they were with. Remember when uh, that Tanaguchi. was our biggest complaint about Noah is not using O'Hara well enough? That was yeah. What are they doing with O'Hara? Simpler He's times, Joe. Simpler times. I'm yeah. still annoyed about it, but yeah, simpler times when we were like, "Hey, this company's great, but hey, what are you doing with O'Hara? Come on, like, let's go. Just let yeah, this guy fire this guy like or something. Let him go. Like, what are we doing? It's clear the current regime has no use for him, though. He never does anything um, meaningful. Um, but anyway, they won a six-man over Kenyo Okada, uh, Yasutaka Yano, and Yoshiki Inamura. Shohei Taniguchi dances now. He's a funky guy, Joe. Oh, yeah. He's aligned with Yone, yeah, which we'll uh, get to in a minute. Funky. <laughs> so Yoshinari Ogawa had a uh, temperature issue. So for COVID restrictions, they pulled him off the show. So Hayata defeated Junta Miyawaki in a match that wasn't nearly as entertaining as Ogawa no. would have been. No, 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 no. So. It was fine, but yeah, no. I, the entire time, I'm just thinking, man, this would be so much better if Okawa was here. So. The old abundance of caution, Rich. The yeah. old abundance of caution. We had Muhammad Yone and Akatoshi Saito. Now, all I could think during this match was, we are just ripe for one of those Muhammad Yone heel turns that then doesn't stick. They do it like once every five years. He turns heel. They give him a stable. And then they remember... He's a nice little wrestler. Yeah, oh, wait, it's Mohamed Yone. Let's just have him dance again, and then he just dances. But again. yeah, exactly. Just it's like, and he usually cuts the afro off, you know, when he does that, or he or he, uh, he does braids or something. But um, that wasn't the case. Now, listen, I have to say, 
this is better than I thought it was going to be because was it just me or was this stiff as fuck? They were laying into each other. Yeah, I don't know if they. Yeah, I don't know if they just decided, hey, we don't know what we're doing, so we'll just kind of hit the fuck out of each other. But yeah, and that, that'll happen sometimes with Akatoshi Saito. Like sometimes he's absolutely the dirt worse, and I fucking hate him. And sometimes I'm like, yeah, this guy's fucking cool. So yeah, this is this is this is an interesting one for sure. I thought maybe we'd get like the return of the dark agents, and maybe uh, Yone would go heel here or something, but nothing interesting. Just two old guys in an old guy match, uh, slugging it out. So uh, Hayato doing double duty because of Ogawa. So we had Hayato and Yuya Susumu against Daisuke Harada and Kai Fujimura. Um, I don't know. It was fine. I have nothing else to add. <laughs> Moving on. Yeah, uh, I got nothing to add either. So. What do you want me to say? Yeah. I mean, this show just wasn't that good. No, it really wasn't. Well, and this didn't help. <laughs> this next uh, thing that you're going to talk about here. So. Yeah, I mean, that junior tag was one of the better matches on the show, I thought. Yeah. Um, yeah. Now, keep in mind, I again, disclaimer, I did not watch the semi-main event, that eight-man tag that went a half hour. No, that's good. That's good shit. So you, you, might, you, you're, you're, you might like the show a lot more if you watch that. I mean, it, no, was that show going to completely change your entire idea of the show? I don't think so, but it, it might help a little bit because that was fucking good. Uh, well, yeah, hold good. those thoughts. I'll let you talk about it when yeah. we get to it. So then we had this disaster, which was <laughs> uh, Kano with with high 69, high Heyo and Neo, I guess not high 69 anymore against uh, the old dudes, Fujita, Kendo Kashin and Nosawa wrong guy. So Kendo Kashin, just Kendo Kashin did up. They went to the, they did the double count out finish. Kashin didn't take a bump, of course. And I'm like, well, this is great because it was short and <laughs> right in and out under 10 minutes. Perfect. It, yeah. And I see them doing mic work and I'm like, they're going to restart this shit, aren't they? And I'm going to have to sit through, another match with these three old fucks who do nothing for me. And that's exactly how it went down. And then, um, you know, Fujita folded either. <laughs> hey, or Neo. I don't remember which one, but it doesn't matter. Who cares? Folded them up and pinned yep. them in the center of the ring. <laughs> it's just such garbage. I mean, how can anyone enjoy this? It makes Kano look like um, such, I mean, I know that Kano didn't take the fall, but like, no, he didn't. It makes him look kind of like no, a well, dork, okay. you know what I mean? Because he's like, hey, my guys will fucking you, beat your guys. Get him back in the ring. And then the old guy just beat the fuck out of him. And it's like, oh, all right. No, but here's the thing. I thought he looked worse than taking the fall because as the fall is being taken by one of the other geeks, I can't remember which one it was, Kano is being attacked with plexiglass <laughs> by Kashin with his face up against yes. the – did you see that? I did, yes. So Kano is totally getting uh, geeked out on the outside of the ring yeah. by, by by fucking – I may have been wrong guy and not Kashin. I can't remember which one it was. I'm sure it was no, wrong it was, guy. I think it was Kashin. Kendo because Kendo has been doing the plexiglass thing. So I, I believe it is. Okay. I believe it was Kendo, yeah. You're right. So he's got the plexiglass up against his face and he <laughs> – What are we doing? I, mean, even, I just want guys to beat each other up and win matches. What are we doing? Why are we talking about plexiglass? Who was the guy that was choking with the plexiglass? <laughs> God damn it. Guys that care – and can still physically go. I, that's all I asked for. I mean, this is bad. Um, Katoge won the junior title from Yoshioka. A lot of people are upset at this booking decision. Um, I don't really care, honestly, who holds this uh, dopey junior title. But I don't know. I, I thought the match was fine. I guess it was. I don't know. Let me look. Let me look at the old grapple. I think I gave it three stars or something. Yeah, I think I, I, went, I, think I, I went three and a half. I, I liked it. I thought it was pretty damn good. Yeah, I seem like the low man on it, but um, uh, yeah, it's fine. I mean, I, well, yeah, it's, it's okay. I mean, again, I don't have a ton to add, so I'm gonna look that up. Would you t- talk me talk to me about this eight man here with uh, 
Shiozaki, Katero Suzuki, Marafuji, and Segura against the Congo team. This was yeah. good. Oh, it was awesome. Yeah. So read all, there was all those names. Manabu Soya, Masakitamiya, Tadasuke, Nakajima, Goshiozaki, Kataro Suzuki, Mirafuji, Segura. What do you think happened? 30 minutes of guys did just kicking the fuck out of each other. Did you really throw Tadasuke in there like he matters? No, he didn't matter. I mean, yeah, he was good. definitely the uh, eighth of the eighth guy. No, he, he didn't matter yeah. whatsoever in this match. But, dude, yeah, the seven of the eight names were fucking awesome. They just came in and beat the fuck out of each other. Nakajima did his, like, devilish-looking laugh. Marufuji came in and chopped some people. Sagira came in and chopped some people. Goshiozaki came in and chopped some people. It was awesome. Like, yeah, going. this is like, while this match is going on and knowing what's coming up, knowing that I'm going to get Kijimuto and Kiyomiya next, I'm just thinking... What was wrong with this? Like this, I like this style. Like, why, why, why did we have to get away from when guy tags in and beats the fuck out of the other guy in the ring? Like, it was, it was, it, yeah. It may. I will say this match did go a little bit longer than I probably needed it to. I don't know if it needed to quite go thirty minutes, but it allowed each guy to kind of come in there, shine, do their little thing, and 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 yeah, I think. I mean, look at the names, and 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 yeah, you you know what this match was, and yeah, I, I'm positive that you would like it because it was just yeah, it was just dudes beating the fuck out of each other, and it rocked. Yeah, well, to answer your question, you're, we're not getting that in the main events anymore because the guy that's champion cannot physically do yeah, it. Yeah, exactly. Um, and I do think, look, we're not the only ones who aren't into this. It's a very divisive title run. Um, but there's undoubtedly a Muto curve for the people who like it. I mean, you're, you're into the idea of Muto. If this were Kiyomiya or Goshiozaki versus another able-bodied prime athlete having the same matches, you would hate them. Now I get pro wrestling. That's pro wrestling. I mean, charisma carries yeah, the day. Yeah, yeah, of course. I understand that. But so I'm not saying that. I'm not saying that to say that people who like these Muto matches are being disingenuous. That's not the point I'm making. The point I'm making is to explain why the people who don't like it aren't into it, because in a vacuum, they're not good matches. Okay, you're enjoying them. Because, and this is going to sound condescending like I'm telling you why you're enjoying something, but you're enjoying them because it's Muto and you're a Muto fan and you like his charisma and you're into the idea of him having another. That's what you're into here. Mechanically, these aren't great matches. So, anyway, uh, that was the Noah show. I'm not looking forward to Fujita beating Kano. I really hope things turn around here soon. This was not the company that we all enjoyed last year. This is something very different. It's becoming a Nosawa Rangai kind of vanity project. Um, and it's a shame because they have the backing of Abima now and they were really moving forward in a positive way. And this is the kind of thing where if it lasts too long, it could have very negative effects. I mean, history tells us that. That's all. You know, Rich talked about that. So, um, I don't know. I hope the directions change soon. Yeah. Uh, so I'm looking on the grapple. Yeah. The eight-man tag and the junior title match are tied at 3.79 for the best match of the show. Okay, that's fair. Uh, you saw both. That's fair. You saw everything. I would say that's pretty fair. Yeah, I would probably say that I enjoy the eight-man a little bit more, but I, I think that's fair. Yeah, that, that's fair. Um, The Muto Kiyomiya match is sitting at 2.72, which I think, I mean, obviously I was way lower on it, but it's clear that, you know, the consensus is this was not a great match. Um, now, you do have some people who were extremely high on it, just you know, scrolling through. There's a couple of 4.5s and things like that. Um, I mean, if that's a four and a half star match, then 
I got what some the stuff to show is... you. I got some tapes to show you then. <laughs> yeah, I mean, really. I mean, what's like an Okada Tanahashi? Now? Right, I got some tapes for you then. If you really... What's Flair Steamboat? Yeah, I was going to say, I'll, I, I'll, I'll go back to, yeah, I'll go back to like ones that nobody could even, you know, dispute and, and, and you know, from 30 I mean, years ago, timeless wrestling matches. I'll show you those if you want to. Uh... I mean, so that's kind of crazy to me, but th- th- that's out there. But the thing is, there's a lot of people that were on my end, and then it averages out to like, you know, two and a half star match or whatever. But um, what I'm sure the go match is sitting a little higher. What was the name of that show again? Let me look. That was quick. Destination. All right, let me pull that up. Yeah, no, Destination, uh, I believe, was the name of that one. Yeah, that one's sitting at three point seven, a full star higher. Yeah, which I think is I, I think it's fair. Like I I I didn't like I that match either, but I, I would say yeah. yeah, I would say I would I would say it's fair. Yeah, I had that at two at well, Grapple says I have it two and two and a quarter. I thought I went two and a half. Who cares? But um, yeah, I I thought it was a full star better than the. So I think that's fair. Um, you know, because I thought it was a better match. But um, man. I miss those Goshiozaki bangers. I can promise yeah, you. Yeah, this is uh, Noah's uh, becoming a tough time. And what, what sucks too is like this has been a great year where they've they really opened up. I mean, they have you know English commentary on there pretty regularly. I think yeah. the guys that do the English commentary are pretty damn good. Uh, you got Fight is a great outlet now for for watching you know English language Noah stuff. The free shows on a, a, a Bima or whatever are pretty easy to find now that you, we've kind of we've learned how to do it. And once you sign up, it's it's pretty easy. I mean, yeah, access has been better than ever for Noah. And it's like fuck. This is the result. So I don't know. Hopefully, it just yeah. All I'll say is I hope it doesn't last long. But um, I don't so Shiozaki shoulder surgery. He'll be out for a while. Yeah, um, about six months for him. So watch them just have Shiozaki beat Muto <laughs> when he comes back. back. Yeah, <laughs> how boring would that be? Pretty damn boring, Joe. Pretty pretty damn boring. Yes. I had enough of this shit. What are we talking about now? All right, let's move on to New Japan Cup. There was some stuff that we enjoyed, I know, from the New Japan Cup this year. So, uh, so far, we are up to, uh, we, uh, night, what, night 11, night 10? I I don't know where we're at these days. I'm, I'm, I've lost track of what day we're on. But as far as I know from last week's show, uh, we did not talk about night 7, night 8, night 9, or night 10. And there's all really, really good stuff on there. So, I'll just jump right over to night 7. Uh, that was the match, uh, two matches there. Kenta versus Minoru Suzuki and Shingo versus Roki Goto. I thought both matches were a lot of fun. How fucking great was Kenta getting the old paper out and deciding that Minoru Suzuki, he didn't care about Minoru Suzuki and his entrance took too long. So, Kenta's sitting down, laying down in the ring, reading the paper. I'm mad of my own heart as a, a paper reader myself. Yeah, I mean, what a troll job. It's and- incredible. So it's so good. We just had someone. We just had someone in YouTube mentions or something telling us that Kenta has no character or personality. <laughs> it's like of all weeks, of all weeks yeah. to bring up that comment. This is not the week at all. I mean, you what dummy. planet are you on? You doofus! Yeah, seriously, <laughs> Jesus Christ! Absolute mouth breathing idiot to make a comment like that this week. Um, <laughs> like that it was like the morning of, and I'm like, what? Of this all guy, days, I mean, yeah. You can just say. I haven't watched the Kenta match since he was on 205 Live. You can right, just say right. that. You know what I mean? It's like yeah, I, I saw like him would... against Bobby Roode in the main event of Takeover, and that's the last day of a Tommy match I've ever seen. That's fine. You can say that, right? You know, but you know the promos that this guy cuts and shit like this. You know, he's uh, the best. I mean, honestly, I mean, you may, if you made the argument that he's the best character in New Japan and one of the best characters in the world, I would listen to you. It's not a bad no, argument these it, days. It's really not. I mean. He is one of the best promos in wrestling. He's he's great on Twitter, in character, by the way. Um, you know, his his uh 
in ring the way he gets his character over. I mean, he's, yeah, he's one of the best personalities in wrestling right now. There's no question about it. That geek in those comments couldn't have been more wrong if he tried. It's just incredible. Um, this is a good match. What? Another week go to sleep. What is going on with these weak ass? Yeah, he might have to. It uh, might be time for him to find a new move. I don't know. I'm not. I'm not liking the output that I'm seeing out of those. So, I mean, I get you don't want to crush the big boss's nose in because he's the big boss and all. But uh, you know, Kenta never used to care about such things. Maybe he's it lost was, the. Yeah, I don't know. Maybe he's lost the 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 spirit of the GTS. Which, if that's the case, then that's fine. You could find just a new. I, I would just find a new move then. But yeah, he seems a little—he seems a little shook about it. He's not—you know—he's not laying it in there. So I don't know. He's an original dumb jock wrestler, but he's not a dumb jock wrestler anymore. Is that fair to say? Yeah, of course. Oh yeah. That's what people don't understand about the dumb jock energy. Like Eddie Edwards used to be a dumb jock wrestler. He's not anymore. Yeah, he has lost that. Yeah, six or seven years ago, he lost that. Yeah. Rick Steiner, the uh, "if you don't like me, bite me" era of Rick Steiner, not a dumb jock. <laughs> no, wrestler. no, no. Right? So you can be a dumb jock wrestler during one portion of your career and then not be a dumb jock wrestler in another portion of your career. Kenta has completely changed his game. You know, this is the Fang Revives era of Kenta. He's a snarky promo. He knows the physical toolbox is limited now. And he has evolved into this. It took him a while, but he has evolved into his current form. And he's got himself a nice little second life. You know? But... The spark isn't there. You don't see the Kenta rush very often. The go to sleep doesn't have the same pop. Neither does the Busuku knee or whatever the hell that's called. He hasn't even used a lot of that stuff in a lot of it. But he has completely reinvented himself and he has given his career a second life. So he may not be going, this isn't, you know, you're never going to get vintage Kenta again. He comes close sometimes, but you're not getting that. You know, this is a, but this is a really cool version of this guy right now. So yeah, I, I enjoyed the match. Uh, and then the, uh, the Hiroki Goto, uh, Shingo Takagi match. I, I was kind of surprised cause I heard a lot of people really talking about how awesome this match was. And I liked it for the record. I liked it. The problem was, is I watched night eight before I watched night seven, because I heard so much about night eight. That, yeah, yeah. This it couldn't meet it couldn't meet up the expectations of what, what I saw from Night Eight. So I thought this was a good match. I wish I had watched it before I watched Night Eight because yeah, I I, I went into this thinking, oh man, I can't wait. And I, I thought it was good, but not not tremendous. What did you think of, uh, of Shingo and Goto? No, I really like Shingo Goto. Um, I could watch those two guys just beat on each other. Um, you know, on every show. Yeah, it's it's so, awesome. No nonsense. They come out, uh, they stare at each other, the bell rings, they just beat the fuck out of each other. You know what I mean? Like Yeah, it's my kind of wrestling. So no, I really liked it. I went notebook on it. Low notebook. Yeah, I think I'm uh, four. I'm, I'm still four. We, 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 you know, so, oh, but I saw fuck? but I no, I you dude, I saw some like- people. I I saw some snowflakes flying for this this match. So I was kind of surprised. No, no, I really liked that. That was really good. And Shingo the more I see, the more I think he's probably winning the tournament. But I guess we can get to that when we talk about Kent the match. Uh, night eight, we had Sonata versus Yuji Nagata. And Joe, you, you've been telling me that Sonata has been okay on this tournament. I'm telling you that I'm not believing you. I'm telling you that I'm not buying into this again. I thought it was a pretty damn good match against Yuji Nagata from Sonata here. Yeah, it wasn't bad. I mean, it wasn't as good as the um, Ishii match, but Sonata has been pretty good in the tournament. You know, he's not botching as much. It's just so weird to talk about this guy. But, um, I yeah, kinda, no, I thought this match was... Well, what I was going to say is that maybe this is... I, 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 don't, I honestly don't know if I would mind Sonata if he was just, like, a never guy. You know what I mean? Or just kind of, like, 
in that mix. Like, I like him as a singles guy, and I like him in his mid... I, I, I might be fine if he's just a mid guy. I think it's always that, like, when I see him in main events, or when I know that he's winning a G1, or I know he's doing... Like, that's where I may be thinking, ah, this guy isn't up to that standard, but maybe that's okay. Maybe he's up to a mid-card standard, and that's fine. Because he'd be a good asset, I think, in that division. I mean, obviously, if the, if the IC title was still a thing, that'd be a great opportunity for him to be in there, and, you know, that mix, or the Never Mix, or anything like that. I think that would be the spot that I would really kind of put Sonata in and say, hey, this is your spot, let's go own it. Because I think he he excels a little bit more at these, like, 18- to 20-minute matches than he does at, you know, your 30- to 40-minute matches. Uh, you know, not everyone's a top guy. Yeah, that's fine. That's the easiest way to say it. Then, the main event of Night 8... New Japan Cup 2021, Will Ospreay, Zack Sabre Jr., 21 minutes and 23 seconds. Snowflake show, a full five for me. I fucking love this match. How good was this? Full five. Oh, yeah. Absolutely loved it. Yeah. yeah. This was phenomenal. Yeah, one of my favorite matches of 20. I mean, I, it'll be very difficult to tie. I mean, th- this, this is in the mix with both the Wrestle Kingdom matches right now uh, as far as, you know, top, top tier. I mean, this is, this is in the mix here. This is in my top five. By the end of the year, I, I, it'd be very difficult to knock this thing out. This was just a war, Joe. Oh, a, any match that starts out where the bell rings and the guys go and attack each other immediately, that already starts at a five for me. And then it, it basically just has to do anything. To, it basically you have to fuck up then to, to, to not, you know, so things have to happen throughout the match for me to lower uh, the rating. But, you know, joking aside, like they, they attack each other at the bell. There's history. And then they just proceed for 21 minutes to just absolutely murder one another. Zack Sabre Jr. just tearing at the shoulder of Will Ospreay. Will Ospreay doing all he can to just be a chicken shit asshole the entire time. It's it's such a different di- match dynamic than these guys have had before. It's not much high flying. It's just kind of all in the ring. It, it is a fight. It, this is this is the most fight feel that a New Japan match has had in years for me. I mean, you got to go back years where where you know when, and and sometimes we'll say like an Ishii versus Goto match is like you know it's a war and it's two guys to, and doing that sort of stuff. But it never like this felt like two dudes like literally fighting one another. You know what I mean? In terms of the way that the struggle was, the accidental blood, the targeting of body parts, this isn't just guys throwing bombs. This isn't just Ishii, you know, no selling a a drop on his head and getting up and doing a lariat or whatever. That shit rules. That stuff's awesome. This was two dudes literally just beating the fuck out of one another for 20 minutes. God, it was spectacular. So good. Yeah, it it felt like a genuine struggle. And I know people say that a lot, but this really just, it felt like a struggle in all the right ways. Everything felt earned. Everything in the match felt earned, and there was a grittiness to it. Mm -hmm. There wasn't that – the right kind of grittiness, not the sloppy kind of accidental grittiness that you'll get out of like a Sasha Banks sometimes or Charlotte where it's like, wow, that was gritty because Charlotte was sloppy, but it kind of helped. This didn't feel gritty because they were sloppy. They just – they intentionally added an ingredient to this that made the match feel gritty and real and and nothing – everything – was felt earned and this felt this was nothing like any match these two have had with each other before and they've had about a dozen before this and i've probably seen 10 of the 12 you were live for one of them which i actually went back and we watched immediately yeah. after watching this one i went and saw because that that match, kind of match yeah that match i gave five stars too as well this is the evolve match because you you were there live at old eddie d's ranch right that was the best live match i had ever seen until willow spray versus matt riddle two years later in new orleans 
Yeah, so, so that, that if you, I think it's Evolve. I believe it's fifty six. Let me c- clarify that. If anybody ever wants to, I don't. That's not available on the network. I don't think they're only up to like Evolve six or something, right? Oh, I God, think I'll get there. It's not going to be on the network, by the way. Like, so don't uh, don't get excited about that. It shit ain't moving to Peacock anytime soon. Uh, the the Evolve stuff. So uh, yes, Evolve fifty eight. Sorry, Evolve fifty eight. April first, uh, twenty sixteen. Zack Sabre versus Will Ospreay. That was my favorite one of their matches before this. So I, I rewatched that one afterwards. I don't know which one I like better. I I, I might need to watch them again. Just to see but in terms of like just the difference i mean th- that match is all about will osprey being not the plucky high flyer and zach saber jr just trying to kind of slow him down with submissions and counters and counters of counters and that sort of stuff and and will finding a way to flip out of a counter jump out of a counter just out athleticism you know zach saber jr in this case zach zach is wrestling kind of the same in, in this match but like there's less of a target he's just kind of trying to get this guy into submission any way he can uh in that evolve 58 match this was will and and I think he literally says it at one point in the match. He goes, "Oh, I'm a big boy now." <laughs> like uh, yeah. he said something to that effect. Zach tried to do something to him, and Will just powered out of it. And he goes, "No, no, no, I'm a big boy now." <laughs> and I was like, "Yes, that's awesome," because yeah. he is well, like he's so much bigger. He's like 100 pounds heavier than he was then. Like he's a big dude now. And yeah, the stuff that Zach used to be able to kind of do, he can't do. And Will can fucking fight now. He can he can punch and and and, and brawl with the best of them. So it was awesome. In the hobby. It's not easy being a fan of ripping packs or repacks. We hype ourselves up thinking, "Ah, maybe I can pull a Ken Griffey Jr. rookie card. But with zero transparency on available cards and hit rates, it's all just a shot in the dark. Until now. Introducing Slab Packs from ArenaClub.com, the only repack that provides real value, a complete view of all possible cards, and clear hit rates for each one. Now, when I buy Slab Packs at Arena Club, it finally feels like I know what I'm getting. I was able to open an Arena Club Slab Pack, and and I'll be honest, it was a lot better than what you normally do. Say you go to a card show, and there's a random innocuous brown bag of cards, and yeah, you can open it, and look, it's going to be junk. You're, you, you know what I mean? Like You know what you're probably going to get in those. Maybe you find that fun. And sometimes I do. Sometimes I like just opening up cards and saying, oh, hey, look at some random cards or whatever. But if you're really in this game to to find value and find particular cards, it sucks to have to buy these mystery packs. And it ends up being, you know, almost nothing. You know, nothing of value. Not with Arena Club. You can display, again, of all available cards, hit rates, grading. So you know that when you're opening up the slab pack, you are going to get something valuable. You are getting something good. And Arena Club, in addition to having those great slab packs we just talked about, is also a marketplace for card collecting, buying, trading, selling, displaying, all that sort of stuff. But those Arena Club slab packs, man, they are revolutionizing the repack game with transparency. After your polls are revealed, they'll immediately be placed in your vault for safekeeping or trading and selling. And you can have them officially graded by Arena Club as well. So again, setting these things off, it's going to be officially graded by Arena Club. And the Arena Club grading process is accurate, fast, and transparent with full grade rationale provided and explanation of how your card was scored. So whether you're buying, selling, trading, or displaying, Arena Club is the card collecting platform that you have to check out. So right now, I've got a special offer here for Voices of Wrestling Network listeners. You can get 10% off of your first purchase by going to arenaclub.com slash V-O-W-Net. Again, that's arenaclub.com slash V-O-W-Net. Now, that's a crazy offer. That's 10% off a $400 slab pack. $40 off right there. 10% off your first purchase. No matter what that purchase is, 10% off. Again, that's arenaclub.com slash V-O-W-Net. Arenaclub.com slash V-O-W-Net. 
for 10% off your first purchase on Arena Club. And we thank them for sponsoring the Voices of Wrestling Podcast Network. The Evolve match was more of a showcase, you know, based on the kind of show it was and where they were at. Um, the series they had last year told a, a tremendous two-match story with the match in New Japan and then the match in RevPro follow-up, which was even better. And this was completely different from all of those. I mean, le- you know, like we've been describing, this was more of a gritty fight. Some of the sequences in this match are just indescribably good. You can't describe how good they are with words. I don't have the adjectives to describe how great some of the sequences in this match were. And then you throw in just flawless execution of incredibly difficult sequences. I mean, this is wrestling at its highest level is what this was between two of the best in the world. And then you throw in the accidental blood and Osprey. It doesn't look like he broke his nose because it looks like he may have just had a bloody nose because he didn't have a broke. They're selling it like it's a broken nose, but I don't think he broke his nose. But at any rate, he had blood all over his face. It looked like a broken nose. That added to it. And um, this was the kind of match where this is going to be a weird way to describe it. But when this match was over, it was the kind of match that was so good that it made me question whether I overrate other matches that I like. Because I, I, I watch this match and I think this is just a different level of pro wrestling. And it makes me feel like when I like other matches, I overrate them because, oh no, this is something different. This is truly great. This is a great on a different level. So that's how it, that was my first thought when the match ended. I'm like, this was so fucking good that it's making me question myself and whether I really like these other matches as much as I think I do, because this was so great. Um, and I kind of have like this existential star crisis. Again. Right, right, right. I think you, 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 uh, I forget if you tweeted it out or just kind of talked about it in our Slack, but you kind of said, Hey, that that's like a perfect wrestling match. Like that's exactly what and it yeah, is. That like, was going to be, that was going to be my closing. That was going to be my closing point. This was a perfect, flawless pro wrestling match. I don't think they could improve upon it in any way. It was just, per- it was perfect and flawless. Yeah, I don't know what I would change. Like, you know, honestly thinking about, okay, well, this spot, like, literally nothing. Like, <laughs> literally no, nothing. nothing. Like, it's just, no. yeah. It's just incredible. Yeah. With all of that said, four and three quarters. Oh, you're a coward. You're a fucking coward. Now, probably my favorite, let, let me let me look back. We're only in March. <laughs> Is this my match in here? Let me take a look. Uh, I've given yeah, I'm trying to remember what you've, I, I'm trying to remember what you've rated, but yeah, your notebook will tell the tale there, so. I'm going to give you my contenders. Okada Osprey from Wrestle Kingdom. I went five on that. Okay. That was a great fucking match. Yeah, it was a good match, yeah. I thought Okada was so good in that match. Like, I don't know if a wrestler has been as good as Okada was in that match all year. Is from that his, fair? From his deathbed, too, by the way. Oh, yes. Shibakai. A man who... He had to rip the IV out to get to that match to go and have a great uh, great wrestling match, but he ended up doing it. So. Do, you, do you want to take your victory lap now or wait until after this? Uh, I'll wait. wait. Oh, no, I'll wait. I mean, that's obvious. I mean, dude, come on. Like, Whatever. So, uh, that would be a contender. That's an easy win. I don't even need to take a victory lap there. You know what I mean? That's that's Larry Shingo Bird throwing Jeff. the finger up after the three point contest. Like, yeah, I'm, I'm good. Well, well, you're gonna take your. La- I'm gonna I'll, make. I'll it do it anyway. Lap. If you want me to take it, I'll take it. But yeah, you're right. Let's do it. Right, we'll get. We'll, so a rich victory lap is upcoming. Shingo. <laughs> Shingo Jeff Cobb. I went five stars. That was. Obviously incredible. What'd you, what, did you go five on that I one? I went four and a half on that one. 
Okay, so you don't have that match to your territory. No, no. Um, my my two five I, stars this year: Okada, Osprey, and then Osprey and 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 and, and Saber. So, yeah. Surprise, surprise! Will Ospreay is yeah, like, good wrestler. Will Ospreay is good wrestler. Yeah, my top five um, are Okada, Osprey, Osprey, Saber, Abushi, Naito, Shingo, Tanahashi, Shingo, Jeff Cobb. Uh, yeah, so I like Shingo and I like Will Osprey. They are good wrestlers. Kotobushi also a good wrestler. So. Shingo Tanahashi, I have in the mix. I went four and three quarters on that. Let me move to February. MSK Grizzly Young Vets. I got a four point five two. That match fucking ruled. I will never stand down on that one. No, yeah. Great tag match for sure. Um, let's see. Nah, February, I don't have anything in sort of that Pantheon level. A couple four and a halfs. Adam Brooks versus Slex the Business, of course. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. Uh, not quite matching. <laughs> the Business Slex, um, I believe, is what he is uh, now referred to for well, some in reason. Well, my notebook, it's uh, <laughs> Slex, comma, the Business. Well, the that's the way, way it should be. Yeah, okay. right. You're, yeah. you're on the right side of history, John. I don't know what those guys are doing over there. In- yeah. MCW, but they're they're wrong. Slex, comma, the business. Yeah, so I don't know. Nothing in February and nothing in March until this match. So for me, it's either Osprey Saber, Osprey Okada, or Shingo Cobb. You know, and I'd have to really think about it. And um, a teaser for a show that we'll do next January. Come find <laughs> right, out what so get ready. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> the expectation um, is palpable, yeah, for people saying, oh, man, I wonder what Joe, after eight more months, will decide is his match of the year. And you'll find out next January. So, <laughs> Yeah, but it was incredible. Yeah, flawless pro wrestling. It was really great. Um, you know, tremendous match. Uh, Nights nine, uh, that was David Finley versus Yoshihashi. I, uh, yeah, I, yeah, it was fine. It was good. It's I, fine. It, it was good. Yeah, Finley is looking good. I, I, I'm on board with a lot of other people that are now saying, hey, this Finley guy, he's kind of putting it together a little bit. And uh, yeah, he's fine. I, I think maybe people are overrating it just a tad, but Finley's fine. So there you go. Uh, and the main event was Jay White versus Tanahashi, which I I thought was good, but not not great. I uh, I wasn't in love with it, but I think you liked it maybe a little bit more than I did. Um. Yeah, I mean, here's the thing about Jay White. I think he's such a great character wrestler at this point that it's hurting his matches from a traditional match the way you traditionally grade a match from a nerd standpoint because he's not out there trying to have traditional new japan notebook style matches he's doing this tremendous character work and it's top class top tier level don't get me wrong but Jay White and Great Ocon are two guys who are just approaching their matches in a different way than everybody else. And I'm not suggesting they're wrestling the same style. They're wrestling completely different yeah, styles. Yeah, oh, no, no. I think that's but, totally fair. No, you're absolutely right. Yeah. But they're approaching their matches in a different way. Whereas the rest of the roster, they're going out there and trying to have bangers every chance they can get. Jay White has a different kind of plan every time he gets in the ring. And he wasn't going out there with Tanahashi to have a match of the year contender. You know, with all of the stalling and everything else. So, um, yeah, he's just doing something different, you know. But I think he's been very good. We got the run in. Here we go. Oh, what do we all got? Right, come on in. It is the boy. The this boy. Time What's up? This will be good because he doesn't get shy. He's a little more talkative. What's going on? No Coke Zero for me? Yeah. No, why not? Wow. Well, Look, geez. I'm empty over here. I want a rest. I'll just you say the girl. The, the girl brought one. The girl brought. I'm just saying in the power rankings. There's nothing in there. He's got the empty. He said, "I want the rest" because he wants that caffeine. <laughs> and he, he's trying to drink, but there's nothing in there. Uh, 
Oh, you had some? Yeah. There was a little bit left? Yeah. Yeah? You getting ready for bed? No, don't touch that. Don't touch that. <laughs> That's bit. No, no, come here. Come back. You're okay. You're fine. You're fine. You're fine. Rich won't be that mad. It didn't. Is it doing it or no? No, you're good. You're good. It did it for a second, but you're okay. good. Okay. He ran away crying. Oh, cry. God. Oh, Jesus. No, because he touched the mic. You know what happens when the mic gets I know, touched. I know. I know. Tell him, oh, tell him Rich will not be that mad. Yeah, you better, you better re- rectify that now. I got to make this right. Nolan, come back. Well, this went sideways. Jeez. He got, uh, I heard his feelings, I think. And, I said, <laughs> and he cried and ran off because he was being playful and he grabbed the mic. Yeah, yeah. I'm sure you're, are you getting the fuzz. No, no, there? no, we're good. We're good. Okay. You got it for a second, a brief moment there. Hey, yeah. Nolan, come on back. <laughs> he tried so hard. <laughs> I hear her consoling him. Uh, this is what a disaster you're done alright well that's the Voice of Wrestling Flashing Podcast that's Joe Lanza I'm Rich Grage. Uh Fastlane's coming up Sunday you don't really care we don't really care either uh, NWA's coming yeah. up this weekend you don't really care either we don't care much as well uh, they booked Titus for some reason that's stupid uh, Impact Rich Swan won he de- beat Moose so there you go alright Joe You uh, anything else before we get out of here I heard his dopey little feelings here <laughs> let's see if we can get him back in the room um, had a whole a conversation set yeah, up too. Yeah, you got to buy Yoda him pajamas on. You have to buy him something uh, nice now. Nolan, come back. <laughs> I love that he's got you. He's got you real shook here because Joe, you're you're Mister Confident and Mister you know bravado, bad, right? and now yeah, you're just. You're I shook. feel bad. I, you're shook. I, I yeah, yeah. It wasn't that big of a deal. It's just you were trying to tell him, you know, hey. Yeah, don't touch that. You know, come back. Where is he? <laughs> Britt, bring the boy back in here. We gotta, we gotta rectify. <laughs> now, this. now, now, we have to force him out of the show. Yeah. All right, get your ass over here. Like, yeah, get him, I gotta get him do a here. bit. I got a bit plan. Sit down. Yeah. Yeah. Because yeah. I, 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 I totally. Uh, yeah. Now the it, fun like, is yeah, gone. Now the heel. Yeah. Now, yeah. Now the fun's bad, and are you gonna make him force him into this conversation that he doesn't want to be in? People love these segments. Like, oh, these segments, they're so cute. Now I'm going to be a heel. I can't have this. Yeah, we might have to delete this from the uh, the, the, the on-demand. Because we have our, our, you know, our the live listeners are listening to this now. And they'll know. They'll know forever. But um... Yeah. Here's uh... Britt, bring him back. Get him in here. <laughs> Nolan, come here. Come here, bud. Pick him up. Throw him in the room. Yeah. Dad who's mad because he touched the, yeah. Uh, I don't know what's going on. All right. Wow. Guess, uh, he's, well, he's he's, he's, he's welcome back whenever he needs. He can interrupt any of our other future conversations because he's going to tell his therapist about this. About <laughs> I, know. He's like, yeah. I always yeah. wanted to be a, a, a radio host. And then I, yeah, I went to go touch dad's thing. And then he yelled at me. You know? yeah. He's It's going to be a repressed memory. It's going to come out in therapy when he's like 33. Uh, the day he touched the mic and, uh, and got yelled at. I don't even think that I did. Did I come off? Was uh, I- per the chat room, you did not come out that harsh, but obviously it, it hit him in a. Uh, it doesn't matter what we think, Joe. It's what he thinks. So I think um, I heard his little feelings. Is what it was. He was being playful, right? And then I'm like, no, don't touch that. And then I think he got embarrassed. Yeah. And then uh, fucking four years old, you know, so he ran off crying. I don't know. He turned around and hightailed it out of here. Hey, Britt, bring him back in. <laughs> <laughs> What's she saying? Is she just no selling you too? Nah, she chased them. She went and followed them because, you know, he was he was upset. So yeah, I don't know, I don't know what's going on now. Maybe everybody's <laughs> mad at me. I was gonna say, I I mean, 
I'll talk about Titus in NWA on my own if you need to. Uh... Yeah, I just figure it out. Well, you're fucked. All right. Well, let's see. No, I guess we're moving on. How's the how's the couch looking today? <laughs> Listen, I'm the man of the house. I want to sleep <laughs> in a bed. You have multiple beds, though, right? What do you mean? What is this? 1950? Why would I have multiple beds? I don't mean like no. I don't mean like the honeymooners style. I mean, do you have a, another room with another bed in it? What do we got? Like twin beds in the bed? What do you think? I like the. Idea? I like that idea. That's not bad. Yeah, occasionally she'll come over for like, you know. Tonight we're getting frisky. Let's push them together. <laughs> right, right? Exactly. Yeah. Make sure you don't get in the middle because it, it could slide. Yeah. That's you know. That's that's avoid the crease. Make sure the wet spots on her twin side. <laughs> right. Um. Britt, bring the boy in. Bring him in. <laughs> You're so desperate. I've never heard you so desperate. It can't be that serious. I mean, jeez. Yeah, this is, I mean, yeah, I'm, I'm going to be honest. Yeah, he's, uh. Bring him in. Where this, is he? This four-year-old's being a little, uh. Hold on. Hold on. I'm bringing the He, is, are his feelings hurt? He can come in. He thought he was in trouble. He's not in trouble. <laughs> I want to tell him he's not in trouble. He, it's too late now. All right. I'm belly. I'm Okay. All right. Oh, now the girl's coming. Okay. Oh, she's gonna swoop in. What a move! Oh, what an opportunist. Sean Michaels over here. The the, the Sean Michaels of the yeah, tag bring team. Her in. Bring her in. Tell her not to be shy. I, With her what? leather jacket, just gonna walk it, waltz in there. Unbelievable. What an opportunist because she knows the boy didn't get over. Yeah. Oh my god. Perfect. And not only that, I think she's getting a Z. I think she's bringing up a Oh, Z. my God. What a, what a worker. What, what a worker. A worker. <laughs> what a... Yeah, so he's... Uh, he, he packed it in. He went to bed. He's done. Yeah, he got the... Ba- I heard he got the belly rub. It didn't even... He got yeah. the back rub. He got the song. He got the whole uh, goodnight song. She's incredible, this TLB. She goes in there. She rubs their backs, sings them a, a lullaby every night. It's ridiculous. That was exhausting, yeah. <laughs> Really? Yeah. I'm like, listen, I'm like, never you, doing you don't get an off, You don't get an off night? Like, every night's the... Uh... No, every night. I bring her in. Ah, there she is. Look at the... T- is she wearing a leather jacket? You gotta see the shit-eating grin on this with girl's some heart With some hearts on it. Little... She's gorgeous, and she's coming from her princess pajama, and she is tired, so... Oh, you're very tired, huh? Yeah. So your brother thinks I'm <laughs> mad at him, but I'm not mad at him. He, t- he tried to touch the mic. <laughs> he so, he ran away. So... Where's my Coke Zero? No Coke Zero for me? Wow. Wait, shit. Oh, she wants to give me a hug. All right. Come on in. <laughs> well, I guess the hug will work. Yeah. All right. That's fine. Here's your little hug. You tired? Yeah. What were you doing? You look exhausted. Oh, here he is. Oh, right, come on in. look at this. Oh, he's hugging her instead of me. Oh, okay. Wow. They're wow. Hugging each other. Nolan, I want you to come here. You're not in trouble. Still mad. He's mad. Yeah, you're, you're. Well, you're, you're done, Joe. Why do I have so much heat with him? This I just told him I'm not he's never trouble. coming back. He, he's done. I think it's done forever. Any little negative energy from you, he takes it very seriously. He, he's, he cares. Yeah, <laughs> this is deep. He can feel it. He can feel it, and I guess he's just, you know, he feel. There's no negative energy. I don't have any heat. <laughs> Jeez, I feel like when the young bucks didn't shake Booker T's hand. <laughs> This is unbelievable. <laughs> All right, Amelia, thank you for the visit. That was very sweet. The oh, boy, she, she blew me a kiss. The oh, boy comes in. 
He hugs her instead of me. I say, ah, come over here. He bursts into tears again and runs yeah, out of the room. Wow. Okay. Oh, is that what she says? <laughs> friends, yeah. She's got some friends listening. Yeah. Well, thousands of friends. On, thousands of friends. Jokes on you. I don't have any friends. So, <laughs> jokes on you. All right. So, before that disaster, where were we? <laughs> I think we were talking about Yoshihashi or David Finley or something. No, what were we talking about there? Wow, you're. Uh, uh, I was breaking. You got a lot of work to do. I hope you have a plan ready for tomorrow because. <laughs> I was breaking down the psychology of Jay White. That's now, a, yeah. Of the psychology of this household where, you know, I don't know if you were picking up TLB there on the mic, but, you know, breaking it all down. Some negative Boy. energy. Yeah, you're giving off a lot of negative energy. You got to stop doing that, Joe. You bring a lot of you bring negative energy to this podcast, too. And it it, it doesn't force me to tears, but it does definitely make me uh, uncomfortable. So she takes this parenting shit so seriously. <laughs> like she. I swear to God, the, the whole tuck-in routine is ridiculous. The back rubs, then she sings Somewhere Over the Rainbow. Oh, okay. All right. Put them to sleep. And um, the other day... Let me let me just tell... Okay. Let's see if the nurse is here. Okay. If you do that when they're children and do it for too long, you end up having husbands that still have to do not all those things, but some of those things to let their significant others fall asleep. So be careful. All right? No, I get asked to do... T- I get I get forced to tuck TLB in because she goes to bed first every night and I fucking hate it. I'm like, you are a grown woman. Why am I tucking you into yeah, I have bed? To, I have to pet hair is what I have to do. And if like, oh, so say good. I have to stay up, she's like, well, can you pet my hair until I fall asleep? And I'm like, no. Pet her hair. I'm telling you, dude, you can't do this. This is the problem. This is what mom it's, did. It's so awful. Like, here's what TLB wants. I gotta Yeah, you'd be line. very quiet here. We're, we're, this is like, have you ever seen the Kill and, uh, Key and Peele sketch? Have you ever? Do you ever watch that show or no? Uh, I don't know the sketch you're referring. Okay, to well, there's one where they're like trying to talk about their 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 wives, and they're like, yeah. And then I told her, and then it's like, shh, bitch. <laughs> it's like they're trying to, <laughs> yeah. they're trying to do it under their breath, and it's like little by little they're getting like farther away as they're trying to explain. That's what you and I are doing now. So go ahead, you can uh, you can whisper. She very early on in the relationship, she wanted these back rubs. Right. I have to do back rubs too occasionally. So. No, but see, here's how I got out of it. I'm very smart. You just turn them into sexy time. <laughs> No, she's oh. a total horn, she's a total horn dog. She'd be into that. Okay. So what I did is I just gave her the world's worst back rub. <laughs> there you go. That's a, not a bad idea. You could ever imagine. Like the technique was just like a person who never even heard yeah, of a you're back just rub. Shaking and, her, you're itching her. She's like, all right, I'm good. <laughs> like, I made sure that it hurt. I would take my fist and drive it into her spine, like I'm trying to give her a spinal tap. And she never asked for back rubs again, it, you know, after that early period. So I now I, I don't have to do back rubs anymore. And I heard her on the phone with her friend <laughs> a couple months ago, and I overheard her saying she was like, oh, yeah, no, Joe is terrible at back rubs. I, I, don't, even, I don't even ask for them anymore. And you're and pumping your fist. You, you're pumping your fist. If in you the don't think yeah. I did a fist pump hiding around the corner. I, re- I remember I was hiding in the pantry and she was in the kitchen on the phone and I gave a little fist pump and I was like, yes, you know, so that was We're good. That was, <laughs> yeah, we that was next level thinking. 
this was long before I knew I'd be spending the rest of my life with her too. So you're really talking forward thinking. Yeah, you're investing. You're investing in your future early on, which is is, is smart. Absolutely. Yeah, you give that terrible back rub, and then you're never asked to do it again. You know, um, I'm lucky she fell for that though, because most women are a little too savvy for that move. You know, they know what you're trying. Yeah, to Yeah, yeah, yeah. Michelle would just be like, "What are you doing? That's a terrible back rub." And I'm like, "All right, yeah, you're right." <laughs> <There's> a- <laughs> yeah, right. But I'm dealing with a woman who sings somewhere over the rainbow yeah, every night. Yeah, yeah. Her children. She, there's a certain innocence to her where I can get away with stuff like that. You know, there's a little. Anyway. Um, all right. So, so you uh, want to bury the girl while you're at it too? I mean, geez, you're you're you're. The what now? So you want to bury the girl while you're at it too? You're really on a on a run here. No, the girl. See, the <laughs> I'm about joking. Her Please is... don't. <laughs> I mean, I can bury her if you Please want. Please don't. Please do uh, not. She's really shy when she knows the, the – but the thing is, like, if she would talk, you know, she, she's, she's very funny, the, the, the five-year-old. But she, she just gets – she freezes. Look, this isn't for everyone, Rich. We're professionals. No, it's – yeah. There, okay. There's a reason they pay us the big bucks, so. The kid can't hack it, okay? She just doesn't have the talent or the <laughs> skill to be entertaining on the mic. Now, the boy, he's got it. He came in here smiling. He was ready to go, but I scared him. So uh, <laughs> we were denied – quality segment out of him and apparently he's still mad at me we have heat what can i say yeah We're well like, hey uh, you know what this is this might be the now here's the, oh go ahead all right we got solo tlb with the coke z thank you very much you're welcome i'm all here right. for you i know you're here for me tremendous you know oh, and i'm here for you, you she know doesn't I'm here even for know you. what you oh. just yeah unbelievable yeah. unbelievable right. what a two-faced hey, one more thing i love you all right have a good night yeah you're, That's how you do you're it, something else. You're something else. That's how you do it, Rich. You're something else. She nearly melted. She nearly <laughs> melted because she knows a lot of people are going to hear that. You see, that's how you do it. That's, the kid's good, Rich. I still got it. <laughs> all right. Coke Z. All right. That was Jay, that was Jay White and the uh, psychology of Jay White and his negative energy that he brings to. Uh, New Japan Pro Wrestling. Uh, speaking of negative energy, Night Ten Evil versus Toro Yano. What the fuck? Stop! Just stop this stuff. Is there? There's nobody. Yeah. There's nobody around anymore that still defends Evil, right? Like we all agree that it's absolute garbage now, right? Can you hear me? Okay, because he moved the. No, mic. you're fine. You're you're perfect. You're perfect. Because I'm I'm like he moved it like six inches off of my face, and I'm like worried that you can't hear me now. But I'm afraid to touch it again. No, you're good. You know you're good. I mean? It sounds fine. Um. Toroyano is the absolute shits. I think the only thing worse than clap crowd Toroyano is the fiend. That's the only thing in wrestling that is worse than clap crowd Toroyano because when you strip away the crowd's ability to laugh and put him over, everything he does falls flat. So yeah, this was terrible, irredeemably bad. The whole thing. Now I'm burping, but yeah, it's awful. Fine. Yeah, it was just absolutely terrible. So no need to talk about it anymore. Uh, then we'll move on to Shingo versus Kenta, the uh, the quarterfinal match there. On the main event, what do you what do you think of this one? I thought again, like good, but but I didn't think it was great because it's like you you might even want to add Kenta to that list too of a guy that's just kind of doing a different thing. You know what I mean? These days, this was still pretty damn good, but yeah, it's just I don't know. It, it, it was it, a good match, but not not great. Shingo's capable of doing better, and I think Kenta's capable of doing better. I, I came in with really high expectations, given that given who the two people are, but I need to maybe not do that anymore with Kenta. And I've been doing it, I've been doing it wrong with Kenta for like five years now, and I just need to start doing it. You know what I mean? This time I can't disagree with you. I disagreed with you on Shingo Goto. I can't hear. I like this. I was entertained by this, and I thought the match told a good story. Uh, good match. Can't call it a great match. The thing about it was 
Shingo sold the entire way. Like this was just a 20 minute Kenta beatdown. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Into a three minute closing stretch. And again, Joel Abraham pointed this out, Super J cast. Um, and I agree with him. The way that the Shingo matches have been structured in this tournament really lead me to believe that now that he's going to win it because. He's always the underdog, not mm-hmm, underdog. He's mm-hmm. always the baby face fighting from underneath. Yeah, he's getting his ass kicked for a lot of the matches and then kind of firing up at the end and firing up and winning the matches. So, yeah, you're, you're right. It, it definitely feels like it's getting in that direction. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so based on the match structures, it, it seems like uh, uh, they're trying to tell a long-term story here with Shingo. But uh, this was a good match that told that exact story, and um, Shingo moves on. So we have our... Uh, what round are we? Yeah, let me let me get the updated brackets here as of uh, this recording, which I think might change because I think there's a show maybe tomorrow or uh, the next day. But as of this recording, here is our brackets. Uh, so the quarterfinals are going on on the 16th and the 18th. So actually, yeah, it'll be it'll be Thursday morning. So about I don't know what 12 hours from now or whatever the, the, those matches will be done. Uh, and then the semifinals are on the 20th and the final. Uh, the 21st uh, this weekend. But yeah, we have Evil and Yano. They, they, that was a quarterfinal. Evil moves on. Shingo versus Kenta, that was a quarterfinal as well. So we now have in the semifinals, Evil versus Shingo. God help us all. Um, I hope, Joel, and you are right that Shingo uh, moves on to the finals. Uh, in the other quarterfinal matches, you have Will Ospreay and Sonata. And then David, uh, David Finley versus Jay White. And that, uh, that's an interesting booking there because obviously Jay White's going to th- win that one. I, I highly doubt that David Finley is going to pull the upset. And like you've always said, now how do you beat Jay White? Who beats Jay White? And it might just be Will because it's Will versus Sonata. So I, I have Will going through. I have Jay White going through. And I, I, I kind of think I have Shingo and Will in the final, but I don't know. The, the, beating, beating Jay is always tough, especially right now. So I, I don't know what they're going to do exactly there. You know, Finley and White have history, though. That's true. Yeah. If you needed a guy to kind of pull a big upset, I, I guess Finley isn't the worst guy to do it. They have history. So um, you could do the deal where White is overconfident because I think he's won every match they've had with the exception of one. I think he's like 6-1 and 1 against him or something like that. Um, obviously with the loss coming when they were both young Lions, but then he ran off like six straight wins against him as Lions. And I think he's beaten them once or twice you know, once they've both been pushed. So he's been dominant in the rivalry. So maybe you could do a story where he's overconfident. That's usually where Jay White gets picked off when he's overconfident. Mm -hmm. So if you're looking for a little intrigue in a match that looks like a mismatch on paper, that would be the angle that you could approach it. And honestly, I think I would like that a little bit more because that Jay White can sell as I wasn't bested. I was surprised. You know what I mean? There's a lot, a lot of ways that he could sell that versus he goes in there with Will Ospreay. Will Ospreay is just going to beat him. And it's like, hey, you know, the guy who's better than you beat you. Whereas the David Finley one that that you could tell a story with that, too, which I think might be the better route. Uh, unless you want him to go all the way to the finals and then lose there or Jay White wins the whole thing, you know, which is, I guess, potentially an option. Uh, as well, that we, we we continue to find ways to kind of eliminate him, uh, but I, is it totally unrealistic that he wins the entire thing? For who? Uh, like, no, I, he could win it. Yeah. Right. I mean, I think he's a contender to win it for sure. I just mean, I, I think, think like, we're spending a lot of energy trying to figure out how he loses, and it's maybe like, well, maybe he doesn't lose, but I I still sure. think he does somewhere. I just I, I don't know where exactly it happens, and and I don't hate the David Finley loss. That's actually not the worst idea. Yeah, that yeah, no, without a doubt. I mean, Finley can't win, but can White win the tournament? Yeah, for sure. 
And maybe you're right. We're, we're sitting here trying to knock him out. And maybe he just ends up winning it. Right. But um, I think the a, a Jay White Willow Spray match would be a true toss up. It comes down to who would. I mean, if if we're if you think Shingo is going to win, who would they rather have him beat in a final? And he sort of has this thing going with Will Ospreay where they wrestle once or twice a year. So that would make sense. Do you want to do Shingo Jay White? I feel like they would do Shingo Will Ospreay. Yeah, no, I would, I would do the way I, if I was booking it, I would have Shingo versus Will Ospreay and I would have Shingo beat him. I think that's, he's an okay guy for, I don't think Will Ospreay loses anything by losing to Shingo here. I think Shingo gains a lot by winning there and they have the history they have a background you know it'll be a good match you know it's a a a, a match that has history there's a lot of stories you can tell they're best of the super juniors now they're both heavyweights they go up to the new japan cup and face it and then you can always tell that tale of you know later down the year maybe you tease the g1 final or you know in a few years you tease the g1 final or whatever that to me that just works too perfectly and and got it any chance to see shingo and will in a match again is, is is fine with me too so if i was booking that's the way i would go but um we'll see it's been a good. It's been a really good tournament so far. It is. It has renewed my. Uh, not if you just kind of forget that evil exists and kind of skip the Toruyano things. Uh, a lot of the stuff in this has been really, really good in the New Japan Cup. So I, I, I very much enjoyed this tournament. I've enjoyed it. I mean, the, the only downside is like the. It's like four nights in a row every. T- it's, it's exhausting. Like, yeah, it ends up. What ends up happening is I get like three nights behind, and then but because they had gaps between those, I would be able to catch up over like the course of like a weekend or whatever. And and it's only two, you know, two shows per like or, or, or two matches per show or whatever. So that makes it a little yeah. bit easy. But yeah, the schedule's been tough, and that's that's been the whole issue with New Japan this year. Is I feel like I'm always behind. I'm like, all right, cool. I uh, I'll watch that match, and then you take one night off, and it's like, oh no, they had an event last night. You're like, what the fuck? Like they just they run every day. Every day they're fucking running these things. So I don't know, man. Yeah. Yeah. All right. So that has been uh, New Japan Pro Wrestling. We will now move on to... One sec. I closed my document. Hold on now. Hold on. Take your victory lap. Grab your flag. Okay, go ahead. So uh, as subscribers know, I did a news roundup, and uh, we got some information out of New Japan. Rich, you were right. I wasn't ready to go two feet in the pool with you last week, but uh, I, I, I kind of uh, knew where you were coming from and couldn't completely disagree with you either. But it appears as though the Okada back injury uh, has been a bit exaggerated. Oh. <laughs> the man does have some legitimate back issues, but the idea that he has like two slipped discs and can barely walk... <laughs> impossible uh, to do what he does like, has in fact been exaggerated and um you know basically what's happening here and then i'll explain it and then you can take your lap is uh like a lot of these wrestlers who you know they hit the age of 30 a lot of tread on the tires uh they may have these minor bumps and bruises but then you know uh to get them out of working hard every night you know you work them a little bit you exaggerate them. You make them out to be a little more than what they really are. You float things out to Tokyo Sports, which is what they did with this back thing. You know, you float things out to wherever Meltzer got it from, whether he got it from Tokyo Sports or from someone in the company. And um, no, his back is uh, definitely not super healthy, but there's no slip discs or anything like that. And, um, you know, he's telling guys, you know, we were told directly, he's telling opponents, look, lay into my back. Let's <laughs> lean into this thing. Like attack my back ferociously. Go for it, which tells you right there, um, and, and which is why he's able to miraculously have these great matches when he's in there with Willow Spray or Shingo or whoever else, because 
Um, it's not this crippling injury um, as has been reported, but he's reached a point in his career where he's just not going to go hard in tags and he's not going to go hard against lesser opponents. And uh, they're going to turn the back into a long-term story. So Rich, you were right. Yep, you, so- everything you said last week <laughs> was dead on correct. Turns out that Kazuchika Okada is a professional wrestler. Unbelievable. Unbelievable news here that he, uh, Okada, professional wrestler that works for a professional wrestling company. I mean, yeah, I mean, that the best part was like on Twitter, people have been like, oh man, you know, my, my, my uncle had a, one slip disc and he could barely walk. And it's like, oh yeah, that's right. <laughs> like, you're right. He probably couldn't. <laughs> this yeah. guy is <laughs> taking top rope backbreakers from Shingo Takagi. Like, you're yeah. right. You can't walk yeah. very well with two slip discs. You can't do much with two slip discs. Including have thirty minute epics with Shingo Takagi and Will Ospreay. It's just it, it's it's ridiculous. I now just, why are we doing it there, again? Now, We've done it. Oh, we did it for like eight years with Hiroshi Tanahashi. We're doing it again. It's just like people are gonna now listen. You know, people are they're gonna run the Reddit. They're gonna run the Twitter and say that we're saying he's not injured at all. No, everybody's in. Every wrestler is hurt in some way. Any every wrestler could probably get surgery if they needed to. They say that about pro athletes too. Yeah. Every offseason, every football player can walk into a doctor's office and the doctor will find something that they need surgery on, probably. Right. Your meniscus is torn, your elbow's fucked up, you got, you know, loose bodies here. Like, you can probably find something to do surgery on with every professional athlete at, at any certain level. There's no doubt. I mean, they just, they, they, their bodies are, are well oiled machines, but there's a lot of wear and tear on them. And they get to a point where they and and wrestlers are no different in, case, in 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 some cases way worse. Every wrestler, talk to any indie wrestler, talk to any major league wrestler, something is in constant pain with them. We have Cody Rhodes right now wrestling, or well, for right now I don't know. We're not watching Dynamite right now because we're doing this, but you know wrestling with a legitimately torn rotator cuff, like legit, like that 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 I don't think is a work. I think that's legit, legit. No, and, I mean you know I. W- he told us he do it. We said, "Well, you would you miss some time?" He's like, "No, hell no, I'm not missing. No, I'm working through it." Right, and there's plenty, plenty of guys no. that that have those sort of things, those nagging injuries, those little things, and they just they just fucking work through it, or you know, they just avoid it and and, and move. On. But like, yeah, it's just it it to me it I don't know. <laughs> it's 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 just I can't believe we're doing it again. But he's getting back now. We should be clear. He's getting back treatments. He he is getting regular. Oh back sure. Oh, I'm sure. I, there's no doubt that his back hurts, but yeah, he doesn't have two slip yeah. discs. Like the idea that like, oh my god, he's gonna be crippled in two days is like, yeah. I'm sure. Yeah, I'm sure he was. I, I'll be honest. He's probably getting back treatments a year ago. You, you know what I mean? Like these guys, they, their bodies are just a mess. These guys, uh, wrestlers' bodies are absolute messes, especially when they're guys like Okada, who has worked a very hard style for years and years and years, and it's just like now there's just a perfect out like there was for Tanahashi to say, hey, look, I used to give 110% effort all the time, but now I got this, so I can't, but I will get out. But as long as, when, when it starts affecting, when you start noticing like main events and Wrestle Kingdoms and G1s and that sort of stuff, and these guys are dogging it and not doing anything and, and terrible, then, yeah, okay, then you could say, wow, what's going on here? What's happening? But yeah, let's let's maybe cool the brakes a little bit on like a road to show when Okada's holding his back. Like that might... Might just be a word. He's, look, he's tall. He has a long torso. And he's got a long fucking spine. So it's an obvious injury uh, for someone with his body shape and everything. Um, you know, right down to the fact that, you know, the Japanese commentary are being given show notes that are telling them to hammer home the idea that he has the two slip discs in his back. So, you know, they're working it into the kayfabe. The whole 
herniated disc or slip disc thing. So um, anyway, that's the story there. Um, Rich was right. I wasn't ready to fully commit. That's fair. I know it's okay. I didn't. I didn't completely disagree, but um, but I wasn't ready to fully commit. But you were correct. So I, look, I'm kind of glad that you know people still buy into this stuff. It's cool. It makes it fun. It makes it really really fun if you have the idea that this guy can barely walk and then he goes out there and busts his ass and has a great match. That's what cool. Do we always it's say a great work story. <laughs> the old work is the new work. Yeah. Work me. We. I always say that. I want to be worked. I want to buy in all this shit. I want to think people really don't like each other. I want to think there's that possibility that they're going to shoot on one another. There's that old territory story. I can't remember which two wrestlers it is, but everyone was convinced that they were going to shoot on one another, right? They were in the paper saying it. They were in the back selling it, like just in front of the <laughs> other boys. You know, they were, they were, you, you couldn't, you know, keep them apart. And uh, the two guys, I, I, I can never remember who the two wrestlers are, but they get into the ring, they see it's a sellout house. All the boys from the back came out to watch because they were convinced these two guys were just going to fight in the ring. And they looked at the crowd. They looked at each other and they said, well, fuck it. Let's make some more money out of this. And they put all of their grievances aside and they worked the match. And one guy threw the other in with an Irish whip. And all the boys who came out from behind the curtain to watch all just threw their hands and walked back to the back because they knew what was happening. Like, oh, we're not getting our shoot fight. These two guys are just, you know, they're going to wrestle. Um, so it's, it's, it's kind of the idea. Like I want to be worked like those two guys worked every, well, I guess they didn't really work everyone because they, they were planning on beating each other up, but they changed their mind when they saw that they can make some money off of their, their disagreement. But I want to be worked, you know? And, and, and I agree. I think it's good that in some ways pro wrestling is still able to work us and, and make us believe. And I, I think that's a good thing. Yeah, it's just a classic story to be told too, and 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 yeah, there, and that's the key here, and the key with the Tanahashi things, and the key forever is, and, and we've talked about it, we've hit this drum as many times as we possibly can over the last five, six, seven years, or whatever, as long as we've been doing the show, is that you know enjoy, you, you know, be okay with being worked, but don't think that you're you're so smart that you cannot be worked, and then end up working yourself even deeper. You know, <laughs> you work yourself into yeah. a shoot. The classic you know, Hulk Hogan tweet, like you work yourself into a shoot, and that's you know the the new era of fans are oh well, I follow this guy on Instagram, and I I follow him, and we talk, and you know I I de- you know he replies to my DM, so I know all about him, and I know that he's real human, but he's a professional liar. Like they're pro wrestlers, this is their job. Is to pretend that they're yeah. hurt. Like, be okay with that. Be fine with that. Be all right to be a fan of 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 wrestlers who pretend that they're hurt when they're not actually hurt, or, or wrestlers who lie to you to try to get you to, to to buy a ticket to a show or something like that. Be okay with that because that's what the wrestling business is. But yeah, people just they're too smart. And oh no, 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 I follow them on Instagram and they know, don't want like, people okay. Don't, people, people don't want to be worked. They, they, they there's like this fear of being fooled. And being worked, says the two guys who are doing a victory lap because they weren't worked. <laughs> right, so, right. <laughs> we're giving you advice that we don't even follow ourselves. Yeah, yeah. Right? We're, we're complete assholes. Uh, yeah, no. We're, we're patting ourselves on the back for for <laughs> we're laughing at you for Okada working you, and 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 we're telling you that we were too smart to fall for that shit. But we're telling you not to be that way. It, you know, so we are pretentious assholes. We really I mean, are. There's God. No question about it. You know, but that's the charm of the show. You know, 
We do, you know, I work my fucking back rubs on my wife so I don't have to do them anymore. I mean, that's the kind of guy. <laughs> you're, you're a worker through and through. The so. girl, she's a worker. Yeah, we're, uh, rest, uh, everything is wrestling if you really, in that segment alone. I mean, how many workers were there? There's a lot of work going on. I mean, I'm, I'm working the wife. The girl is working the boy. Um, there, there's, there's, you know, everyone's working everybody. The boy you know, was going like, to work the girl, and then he ended up kind of working himself into a shoot. I mean, yeah, it's all, it's all. Right. Quite honestly, I think the boy's working me because I don't think he could possibly be this. Upset. Yeah. Oh no. Tomorrow you're going to say, hey, what do you want? You know, you're buying that kid something tomorrow. You know what I mean? I mean, I don't know. I'm a tough cookie, Rich. I might. <laughs> you, you, you know, sounded. You, I don't know. <laughs> I, no, I feel bad. I mean, don't get me wrong, but I'm going to make sure he's not working me before I take care of him. You see what I mean? <laughs> So before you do bu- not, before you do business, you gotta you know. Yeah, I'm not I'm not gonna do the job to him until I know that he's not working me. So that's how that's gonna go. You know, if he's still genuinely upset and I know the clues, okay, then okay, you know, uh, we'll we'll take care of him. You know, I'll do business with him, but I have to know that he's not working me first. <laughs> it's that's how these things go, you know. So. Incredible wrestling, pro wrestling. All right, a uh, few more things here, and then we'll get out of here. Uh, Impact Wrestling Sacrifice. You did not watch uh, this show. That is fine. You missed pretty much nothing. I will say, I watched the final four matches of the show: Ace Austin versus TJP. Uh, solid-ish match. I think Ace Austin's getting pretty damn good in the ring. I was kind of surprised by him here. Uh, it's not hard to have a good match with TJP, but yeah, this one was really good. Only about 12 minutes, kind of in and out. This wasn't really a pay-per-view. This is kind of an Impact Plus special, so some of the like match lengths are, 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 are kind of small, and they're not really you know main event-worthy match lengths, but that's fine. Like It ended up working, and I actually enjoyed uh, uh, the show as well. And, and Impact is up their production a little bit, too. They're, they have fake crowd noise now, and it's actually pretty good fake crowd noise, so it helps with the sterile warehouse environment that, uh, that Impact's been... Uh, doing a lot of their shows in. So Ace Austin TJP was pretty damn good. Uh, Deanna Perazzo versus ODB was horrible. As bad as you can ever imagine a, a match could be. And not because of Deanna Perazzo. ODB is is really never been good and uh, was particularly bad here. So uh, avoid like the plague. Uh, Vin, uh, Finjuice versus the Good Brothers. Finjuice win the Impact World Tag Team titles. A, uh, a big upset here. A big uh, news story here in the wrestling world is Finjuice are your Impact World Tag Team champions. This was uh, pretty good. Uh, it's as good as you're going to get from the Good Brothers, but I thought Finley and Juice uh, worked their asses off in this match, and, and and pretty good action between the two. Not great, but but a pretty solid match uh, between those two. But real quickly, what do you make of Finn Juice uh, winning the titles? Well, that match is on New Japan World, if people don't know. Oh, I didn't know that. Okay, there you go. So that's easy to watch. Then. You can go watch that match on New Japan World if you have a sub. But, um, yeah, I mean, you know, it, it shows that everybody's still open for business with each other. This little impact New Japan. AEW thing that we have going on. So um, I'm wondering if they wanted to get the titles off of the Good Brothers, though, so that they can go to AEW and do jobs to people without Impact's champions being jobbed out. You see what I'm saying? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Which which makes sense. That's a, that's not a bad strategy, to be honest. So yeah, um, because they've got some matches coming up, including one that might be going on as we speak. Aren't they wrestling on? Dynamite this week. I forget. Uh, yeah, I, I don't know. We're, we're recording Jericho this and, while Dynamite's going on. So, yeah, we're missing out some stuff there. So, there's some match with Good Brothers. So, it's like I feel like by taking the titles off of them, it, it, it gives them the ability to lose matches in AEW without 
clowning the Impact Tag Team titles. Right, right. That's a, that's a good point. So uh, there was that match. And then the uh, the main event, which I would definitely recommend you checking out, Rich Swan uh, versus Moose. This was an Impact World title and a TNA World title unification match. Rich Swan, obviously your Impact World champion uh, versus Moose, your TNA World heavyweight champion. He kind of took that belt. I mean, the, the run that Moose has been on with that belt has been really, really cool because it started out as kind of a joke where he just grabs the TNA World title and says, I'm the TNA World champion and nobody really um, believes. Everyone's just kind of like, okay, dude, that's just a title. It doesn't matter. But Moose goes out there, defends it, beats everyone's ass, and eventually it's like it becomes a real title. It's a really, really cool story that they told. And and Scott Demore, you know, finally says, All right, fine, I will I will recognize that this title is a real title, but now you gotta put it on the line against Rich Swine and we're gonna unify uh, both those belts. They have a 20-minute match. Really fun. There were some really, really cool spots in here. I thought Moose really looked good here. Uh Rich Swan, good as always. Uh, only 20 minutes of investment in, in this match time, so I would definitely, definitely recommend checking this out. Uh, but Rich Swan gets the win on a roll-up, too, which I enjoyed as well. He did kind of a uh, uh, like a victory roll and then had another sort of uh, uh, a bridge onto it and got the pin that way, which is a really cool way to tell the story as well. It's not like he beat you know Moose with his move in the middle of the ring. He you know Similar to the Keiji Muto thing, he caught him. He caught him for three seconds. Moose gets out of it and just goes, oh, fuck. Like, I can't believe I got caught for three seconds. And Rich Swan can kind of say, hey, look, you know, doesn't matter how I want I I, I have both belts. I've unified the titles. I won. But uh, really, really good stuff there. Uh, I enjoyed that match a lot. So definitely check out, uh, if you are going to watch anything from Sacrifice, Ace Austin, TJP, uh, Finn Juice, Good Brothers is 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 not essential. Uh, I say Ace Austin and TJP probably is essential in the main event, I would say, is essential uh, as well. And then I did not watch anything else on the show. But uh, judging by the names, I don't think I missed all that much. So. Yeah, so, I mean, this is all just to set up Kenny Omega beating Swan, and then he gets two more belts, the Impact belt and the TNA belt, then he'll have the AAA belt, he'll have the AEW belt, so, you know, he'll be looking like Ultimo Dragon coming out with a million belts up and down his arms and around his waist so he can do the belt collector kind of deal that we all suspect that he's going to do because, look, I don't have any doubt that Omega's beating Rich Swan. I mean that's happening. Oh, that's that for sure. We we called that we called that initial. I mean when that when this was first announced that they were going to be you know having sort of a, a some sort of relationship with Impact and, and and all Elite Wrestling. We we immediately from that day, if you remember, we said Rich Swan versus Kenny Omega, and and, and Kenny Omega is going to take the title uh, from him, and now he's going to take titles from him, which is even cooler. So um, yeah, collect yeah, all those Impact, belts, man. Impact, yeah. Impact fans aren't going to like that, but when you have a working agreement. Whoever has the higher ground has all the power. Right. So. Yeah. The key the key that you need to have is is put it down on paper that on X date, Kenny Omega is going to lose X title to X wrestler. I mean, as long as you have that down and you know that Kenny is going to do business and, and there's no reason to believe that he won't. If Kenny wins the title and then in four months just kind of relinquishes the title and then Impact just gets it back. Yeah. Then that's a disaster. But um, yeah, you're OK well, taking this loss initially. You just need to, you know guarantee that you're going to get this guy back in at some point and then you have a guy ready to beat him and that, and that's that's all it is from AEW's standpoint i mean you say okay we'll let kenny omega be all over your tv and i'll allow kenny omega to headline your next two pay-per-views and impact is is on paper going to benefit greatly from that but AEW has to get something out of that and that the thing that they're getting out of that is Kenny Omega winning their world title. So that's the trade-off. You get Kenny Omega all over your TV and all over your pay-per-view. And the reports for that last pay-per-view were that it was the uh, best performing impact pay-per-view since Spike. Wasn't that the report? Or since, uh, I don't remember the exact I think qualifier. it was since Spike. I, th- I, think that, I think that qualifier was correct. But I, I, I'd have yeah. to double check. But yeah, I think you're right. The bottom line is the pay-per-view did great by their standards. 
you know, with Omega on top. And we've seen what the AEW relationship and Omega has done for their television ratings. Although the last two weeks, they're back down in total viewership to pre-Kenny Omega levels. And that could be because he's not appearing on TV as much or, you know, the story is just kind of uh, wearing thin. But I have a feeling when they heat up the Kenny Omega-Rich Swan thing, that the ratings will bounce back, but that's something to keep an eye on. Yeah, yeah, and I, I think he'll be more all over this. I think people realize that's that he's not in the mix right now. He's he's yeah. he's quote in the mix, but he's not you know in the mix. Whereas, yeah, I believe no doubt that that yeah, once Kenny says, "Hey, I'm going for that title," um, that that people will then get a little bit more invested in it because there's actual stakes to it and not just you know Kenny might show up and it's like yeah, okay, even if he does show up, we know that you know we're not going to get a whole lot out of it. So. It was Kenny's first appearance popped big, and then they settled in like the 170,000 a week range. But now they're back down the last two weeks to doing about 140,000 total viewers. Uh, and they did 50,000 in the demo this week, I think. And But the thing is, it's now been two weeks in a row. So you're starting to see a possible trend of Impact settling right back to where they were before Kenny Omega showed up. Uh, you know, So that's something to keep an eye on. But I think with the pay-per-view doing as well as it did for a six-man tag, I think Kenny Omega versus Rich Swan for all the titles is going to do very well, again, by impact standards on pay-per-view. In fact, I think that's going to do incredible. I think a lot of AEW fans will pay for that one. Yeah, because that's, that's a really... I mean, I, we, you and I both were, were on the record as saying that I would go with Moose as like my representative and my guy, but I think Moose is maybe the better guy to beat Kenny Omega. You know what I mean? Like That's the guy that I would have maybe... But Rich Swan is probably the best dude to face Kenny Omega because everybody knows that that's going to be a good match. And and I think most AEW fans are probably somewhat aware of Rich Swan from some way, shape or form, whether the Indies or maybe WWE or the Cruiserweight Classic or whatever. So yeah, no, that, that is, that's a match that every wrestling fan should try to be interested in tuning into. And if that's like the last thing that Kenny is going to get, the last titles that he's going to get, like that's a big deal as well. So I'm with you that, that, that has the potential to really do well uh, on pay-per-view to see, Hey, are they really going to have Kenny win all these titles? And, you know, what's, you know, yeah, it, it, those are just two good professional wrestlers with, with some good names, uh, you know, that would main event a pay-per-view. And I think that's, that's, yeah, I, I'm right with you. I think that would do well. Yeah, I think people know it'll be a great match because it will be a great match. But look, Kenny Omega's not losing either of those titles back until he loses that AEW title. I mean, you can mark that down. I mean, they are not going to allow him to lose to someone in Impact before he loses an AEW. So he'll lose the AEW world title before he loses those impact titles. I wouldn't even be shocked if he just at some point never loses those titles in the ring. I mean, AEW has all the power here in this relationship. So, um, you know, I I don't think he's going to turn around and lose to Moose like a month later. I'm not saying that you're saying that either, uh, by the way. But I don't think that's going to be the case. And I think even though Rich Swan is the impact champion, I don't think he's like this iconic guy or this huge star that's going to be hurt by losing to Kenny Omega or, you know what I mean? It's like, he's their champion, but he's a guy that's beatable. I mean, if we're being honest, he's not some kind of, he's not a difference maker at all. You know, he's just a nice guy to have on the roster and, um, you know, don't get me wrong. I like him, but, and maybe they'd rather have Omega beat Swan than have Moose take that L. And maybe that's why it's Swan instead of Moose too. Because maybe they want to protect Moose to some extent and not have him lose to Swan. Because I think Moose has more upside than Swan. 
I agree. Yeah, that's why I said like when when I saw this happen, I was like, oh, you know what? This is way better to play because yeah, Swan loses nothing by losing to Omega, and 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 you know, Moose could gain everything by beating Omega. So yeah, that that to me is if that's the play, yeah. that's the smart play for sure. Yeah, yeah, you know, and maybe six months down the line, once Omega has lost the AEW title, then you could either send them back to Impact. Or even have Moose come to AEW or whatever you want to yeah, do, and yeah, then yeah. have Moose win those, you know, those those titles back, or just maybe there's a way to get rid of the TNA title. But um, yeah, and, and do it that way. No, I I completely agree. You know, I'd I'd rather have if if that's the decision. Yeah, I'd rather beat Swan and have Moose win. That's exactly what I would have done too. So that was Impact uh, Wrestling Sacrifice again. That's on Fight TV. But as uh, Joe said, the Finn Juice Good Brothers is on New Japan World uh, as well. Uh, let's, uh, you want to talk world wrestling entertainment's fast lane, vroom, vroom pay-per-view. Yeah. Why not? That's a All big right. pay-per-view coming up this week. <laughs> yeah. It, it's a huge one. Um, on the WWE network too. So we it said is. goodbye. Yeah. It was supposed, it was supposed to be the other pay-per-view. And then when we were watching the other pay-per-view, they said, Hey, fast lane, that'll be on the WWE network too. So it's okay. Now it's official, official done. So this will be officially, officially. And this is on the Peacock. It'll be too, on both. Right? It'll be on the Peacock. Yeah. My, my mom is pumped about Peacock, by the way. I got a text that says, can I really watch WrestleMania for free? And I said, yeah. She goes, awesome. I was like, okay. Like, did you warn her though? I didn't have the heart to tell her. Kidding. I was like, okay, I'm gonna when we get closer, I'm gonna be like, you know it's like a two day, seven hour fucking thing. Like you don't really want to watch this. I didn't mean that, but you did warn her that she's not getting the smoky mountain tapes. You didn't warn her. <laughs> she's gonna that. be upset about that. I did not I did not break that to her yet. But you know, just to let you know, nineteen if you're trying to complete your nineteen eighty three world class watching, I don't know how quickly those are gonna be up there. So no Boston Garden House shows. <laughs> right. So I, I know you're trying to follow along from after uh, Michael Hayes closed the door on Devon Eric, but uh, no, it's 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 gonna be a it's gonna be a while till. Just let her know. I know she's following along, which you'll remember <laughs> to remember. Right. Oh yeah. Let let her know that there's some skeezy uploads out there where she can get those. I'll let her stuff. know all about torrents. Yeah, that, explaining torrents to my mom yeah. will be. But yeah, she's pumped about the about the arrival of the WWE to Peacock. So there you go. So uh, I will watch it on Peacock to see how the old Peacock thing works and. Uh, We'll see, but uh, Dirty Fastlane. Women's tag team titles, Nia Jax and Shayna Baszler versus Sasha Banks and Bianca Belair. Joe, that is, take that, away. <laughs> that is, in fact, the match that the yep, match has happened. That is for this. the women's tag team titles. Nia Jax and Shayna Baszler are your champions. Sasha Banks and Bianca Belair are your challengers. And this, Joe, is an interesting, interesting little wrinkle here. Stay with me here. So Sasha and Bianca, they're a tag team in this match. All right, at Fastlane? Correct. Guess what they're doing in another month at WrestleMania, well, the grand date of them all. They're facing each other. Which... It's, it's unbelievable. I mean, this is a really cool story here. So what we have now is <laughs> these tag team partners that I, they don't really get along, Joe. You know what I mean? They, they, they're, not, they're not seeing eye to eye because they're really enemies. But for this brief moment, they'll come together. Will it work? I don't know. We'll have to find out this Saturday, uh, this I Sunday. Think, I, I think what you're asking me is, <laughs> will they be able to coexist? <laughs> yeah, I suppose that is a question. And and Joe, I guess I would I would ask you, Sasha Banks and Bianca Belair, can they coexist this Sunday, streaming live on Peacock and the WWE Network at Fast? Yeah, well, and we got to see where Reginald's loyalties lie as well. Well, yeah, Reginald so. is coming out with Nia and Shayna, but you know, he's got the hots for Sasha, right? He does. He wants to pork her. <laughs> 
I think. So him and Carmela don't bang, right? He just like he just helps her find wine, right? I don't think Carmela's in the picture anymore. Okay. You're you're scratching a little bit there, Joe. I don't know if the boy came and pulled your stuff again. All right, you're good now. No. No one pulled anything. Um Yeah, I see that on the yeah, I don't know what happened. I don't think Reginald is has anything to do with Carmela anymore. Well, no, He's, yeah, uh, but I no, I was many back in the back in the Carmela days was he it was her sommelier. But what that was it was the implication that they were banging or no? It was no, no right? They never hinted at that. Okay, though. but he really does want to bang Sasha, though. Yeah, I okay. think so. Okay, all right, that's the story. Cool. Right. No, like, he doesn't really want to. Like, Reginald... Oh, the human... Yeah, I don't know if Reginald, the human being, whatever his name is, wants to. I mean, uh, you never well, know, we probably. Be, well, listen, we're, we're talking about Sasha, so we have to be careful. You know, because we don't want to get clipped. The stands, yeah, the stands will get mad. Ah, uh, we'll get destroyed. Who wants to deal with that for four days? So... Uh yeah, kayfabe everybody. Yes. What's we're next? Talking about yes, we're talking about wrestlers. Uh, Alexa, <laughs> Alexa Bliss versus Randall Orton. Intergender, I mean, intergender action should be a classic. <laughs> should be classic. Uh, uh, I mean, the bell will ring and these two will just go in there and exchange holds and Randy will put on a side headlock, get yeah, top wrist locks. Uh, uh, you know, just a a real catch as catch can you know, display here. I know. Sure. I know. Alexa's been uh, working out in the dojo, training for this one, getting prepared, uh, studying Randy Orton tapes. I know that Orton Orton's got the power advantage. There's no doubt about it. Power we'll weight Alexa... advantage. The, the 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 veteran leadership, but Alexa's got you know speed over Randy. She's got athleticism Maybe. over Randy. Um, sure. Cunning. She is cunning. She might also. Is she more uh, cunning? I don't think she's more cunning than Randy Orton. It's it's tough. That's to one say. of his strengths, right? Yeah, that is, I guess that is one of his strengths. He is he is very very cunning. But she has the ability to potentially uh, elicit the help of a, a a swap monster. So that that could help. That could help in her favor. So yeah, listen, the dirty swamp wizard is always a factor. <laughs> um, some may even say that that's really who Randy Orton is facing here. Is the dirty swamp wizard? Yeah, it's possible. What if he? I, I hope he has to face his uh, doppelganger too. There was the other Randy Orton that showed up that one time. There was the other Randy Orton. Yeah, but cool. see, this is the fiend possessing the body. Yeah. Of his imaginary underage girlfriend, <laughs> and then facing. See, I think this is all a ruse for the fiend. Um, who will be? <laughs> this is a hot take, Joe. Are you sure? <laughs> I have untangled <laughs> yes. the web. Unbelievable. Okay, so what you're telling me is that this woman that I saw on World Wrestling Entertainment's Raw is War uh, program this this Monday, uh, who was oozing black goo out of her mouth, challenging right. one Randy Orton to a match this Sunday at WWE Fastlane on Peacock and WWE Network, you're telling me that this woman maybe is not really a woman and is actually The Fiend? I believe that The Fiend is up to his old tricks mm. okay. and is using this to get Randy Orton in the ring. And I believe the fiend is going to make an appearance in this. I know I'm going out on a limb here. This is tough. Yeah. This is, this is, you're going to have to defend this uh, if, if it doesn't work out, but I've been studying the fiend lore and I think that's where we're going, <laughs> going through Reddit. I, yeah. I mean, I've, 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 I had a chat with Joker Da Silva and we worked it all out and he seems to agree that we think this is the fiend possessing the body of his imaginary underaged girlfriend 
to get into the ring with Randy wow. Orton. All right. I have a feeling, Rich, we're going to see some magic and chicanery in this one. <laughs> it's a good possibility. That's my prediction. Well, I think that they're just going to go in there and have a wrestling match, Joe, so we'll see who's right. Uh, not when we do our instant reaction show on Sunday, but next week on the flagship when we mercifully have to talk about this terrible show. Um, I'm not doing it. Are, are you, could you imagine doing an instant reaction to this fucking show? I mean, Sunday. I could. I'm up for it. No, don't you have March Madness? You have basketball. You have something. Oh, go, that's a good point. Go Fuck look that. at stars. Yeah, yeah, go no. outside. Go for a walk. Yeah. Stare at the sun. Cook food. Repair, repair my relationship with the boys. Yeah, do anything. Jesus Christ. Yeah, don't, do not spend an hour talking to me about yeah. this show on Sunday. Jesus. No, God almighty. can't do it. All right. Uh, Drew McIntyre versus Sheamus. This is match number three. This is the third series. match, yes. yeah, And also I mean, the third match we have talked about on the show, this Fastlane review, our preview. Yeah, I mean, the match on March 1st was a little overrated, as you would imagine. Um, because, you know, you give... When there's, a, like, a good, solid WWE match, you would think that, like, it was Savage Steamboat from WrestleMania 3. <laughs> I think it's Masawa versus... <laughs> yeah, it's Kobachi yeah. Masawa. <laughs> And then you go and you watch it, and it's like, ah, it was fine. You know, they had a good little match on March 1st, and then they had the match the following week where they bashed their uh, stair-covered heads into each other. That was weird. And uh, now they're going to go at it again here. So, look, it's a trilogy in the vein of of, Savage, of uh, Flair Steamboat. So this will be the uh, – I don't even know if it's the rubber match because I don't know who won the second one, but – I'm just filling air, Rich. There you go. You're doing a great job here. Big E Langston versus Apollo Crews for the IC title. Big E's a double champ now. I like, oh my God, they had a cool story there with the Hurt Business having all the titles. There was that cool picture of them having all the belts and looking like a million bucks. And they just fucking have the New Day win for the 11th time. <laughs> They're your 11th time. Okay. Tag they, team have, champions. they have won the tag team titles 11 times. Could you recall three of those title changes <laughs> off the top of your head? Okay. Just three. Three okay. out of the 11. Uh, they beat the Usos. No, 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 no. <laughs> I want specifics oh. because anyone could just say, oh, they beat the Usos. I was so going to say they beat the Usos a bunch of times. Um, I believe they beat the Usos at a uh, WWE Elimination Chamber one time. I'm going to take your word for or it. Or a hell of a cell. It was one of those. It was a cell or something. Okay, I think we're back now. Okay, I believe. we're back. Okay, I do not know what happened. That was the weirdest error I've ever had on my computer, and it has me very worried. So, um, hello. I will say that uh, I challenged you to name three New Day title wins. <laughs> and I made up a fake computer problem to get out of it. So that was... No, I thought you were thinking for a oh, long time. Oh, so you're like, Rich, all right, the bit's over. Like, let's go. Yeah, and I didn't realize that until you texted me that you were actually knocked offline. I thought you were just giving it a think. Um, the point is, I know you can't complete that task. So. Um, yeah, I think there was a Hell in a Cell match between the Usos, and I don't know the other ten. So <laughs> there was the, there was this match against the Hurt Business. There was the Usos Hell in a Cell, and then I I got nothing for the other nine. Then I guess. Yeah, they beat Enzo and Cass probably. <laughs> Maybe I don't know. Like, I don't think Enzo and Cass ever won the. Oh, well, that's true. Maybe they didn't. Yeah. yeah, they beat the Usos nine times. I don't fucking know. Who cares? Didn't they just beat? Um... I'm pretty sure they recently beat Cesaro and Nakamura for the SmackDown titles, right? Okay. Kofi and Woods. 
I was gonna say different different New Day team, but yeah. Kofi and Woods. Um hmm. Oh, I'm sure they beat Morrison and Miz at some point. <sighs> yeah. <laughs> you know what? Here's what it comes down to. Who the fuck knows and who the fuck cares? That's really what it comes down to. Uh, Big E versus Apollo Crews. Apollo Crews, who is now a Nigerian prince. A Nigerian uh, prince of the giant fucking, what would you call it? That's the... A f- like uh, entourage? No, well, there's the entourage. It is a giant entourage, too. What's the, what's the thing he, uh, like a spear? But it's, it's, kinda, it's more elegant than a spear. But I a guess scepter? it's... scepter? It, it's not quite a scepter. It, I mean, it's, it's undi- undeniably a spear, but it just seems a little too, like, you know, it's not a wooden it's spear. A it's like, spear. Yeah, it's a decorative one. So I don't know what that, I don't know if it's don't still know. called a spear, but uh, yeah, there, there you go. Whatever. What else is on this show? <laughs> then all you have, Joe. One more match here on WWE Fastlane. More matches potentially could be made uh, in between here. Uh, Roman Reigns versus Daniel Bryan for the Universal Championship with uh, the caveat that Edge or Jey Uso will be the special guest enforcer. I'm assuming we'll figure that out on Friday, but I would be lying to you if I knew uh, that that was the case. So that's apparently either Edge or Jey Uso will be the special guest enforcer of this Universal Championship match between Roman Reigns the head of the table, and Dana Bryan. Well, now that they have to sell actual tickets for WrestleMania, do you think that they somehow wedge Daniel Bryan into the match and make it a three-way since Edge is as cold as ice? Ooh, that's an interesting development. I never thought about that. Yeah, you're right. I mean, dude... Hmm. First, you what, what I think you do, What I think you do is you float the Roman Edge... You see how tickets go, and if they don't go quick, then you figure out a way. Well, there's undoubtedly no interest in Edge. Oh, God, no. I mean, God, no. They, they even stopped featuring him on TV because he was just... Oh, they haven't said a thing. Yeah, remember when every week was, Edge is here, Edge is here, Edge is here. The social media is Edge, 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 Edge. He's just on TV now. They don't. You don't even know. There's just fucking crickets all about him, yeah. I mean, the week after the week after Royal Rumble, he completed the hard-to-do trifecta of tanking all three shows. <laughs> So that was kind of the end of Edge. Um, so, yeah, no, I think they're going to wedge Daniel Daniel Bryan to the rescue again. I think they're going to wedge him in there, and it's going to ultimately be a three-way. Roman Reigns, Daniel Bryan, and Edge. That's what I think they're going to do. Because now they have to sell 50,000 tickets. Uh, so apparently, uh, by the way, we should we should note this now since we're not going to get to our WrestleMania weekend segment here. But it uh, looks like 25,000 people for each night. Uh, is yes. the, uh, the attempt there. 36% of capacity for Raymond James Stadium. Uh, so not going to beat out Dana White and the UFC, who are going full boat, filling 100% of the arena. But, uh, yeah, 25,000 people for each night is the goal. So we'll see. It'll be very interesting to see uh, what what the demand is for tickets. I imagine they're pretty good, but it's, like, I don't know. I don't know what demand for tickets are right now. Like, I don't know if enough people feel confident that, hey, I'm going to go and, and and go to this event. I don't know how many people are interested in WWE. It's going to be very fascinating to see uh, how these tickets go. Do you, do you have a read on it uh, initially? Do you think these things sell out in, in a heartbeat? Or, like, how many people are co- are traveling for this? I don't know. There's so many questions about this that I, I don't know if I have any answers to. I'm going to be very fascinated. I don't know. I really don't know. I think on one hand, people will be really excited. But the whole thing is, a lot of people still aren't going to be comfortable. So a lot of people who aren't vaccinated aren't going to be comfortable going to a massive event like this. I mean, 
The Super Bowl had no trouble putting people in the building, but that's right. the Super. That's the Super Bowl, yeah. And and WrestleMania likes to think of itself as the Super Bowl of uh, of of you know sports entertainment, and in many cases it is. But yeah, I don't I don't know I don't know how many people are you know hopping on a plane and traveling to to, to Tampa to, to take in you know WrestleMania. I I don't know. Like it's easy to get you know. 500 people into an NBA arena and, and, and scatter them about and all that sort of stuff. And it's, it's easy to do a few of these things. I, I, I don't know. I, I really am honestly curious. Like they could just as easily sell everything out in one day or struggle to, to, to get to 10,000. I have no read on it whatsoever. No idea. It is outdoors. Um, but they do rely a lot, obviously on fans that travel into these towns. I don't know. We'll see. I, I, you know, I really don't. To answer your question, no, I, I don't have a feel for it. Yeah, it's really just been don't. such a traveling, and that's the thing. The Super Bowl had a lot of people travel in uh, for it, but they also were giving tons of tickets away to local, you know, hospitals and stuff like that, and people that were vaccinated and stuff. So the Super Bowl, you know, they they had their base of people that were going to buy tickets and travel and do all that, but then they kind of sprinkled in about you know five thousand just free tickets, people that were vaccinated, people that you know that sort of stuff. I is Russ, I I've. You know they're going to sell. They're going to try to sell twenty five thousand tickets for both nights. So I, yeah. I mean, I don't know. It'll be, I'm, I'm fascinated. I'm, yeah, we'll find out. I think tomorrow uh, we'll have a, a read on it as they go on sale uh, tomorrow. But that Joe is WWE Fast Lane on the WWE Network. Sure, I gotta tell you, sure feels like a huge show. <laughs> I know. I'm I'm, I'm 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 salivating thinking about just spending my Sunday night watching this thing. So. Uh, cannot wait. All right, final topic here, and then we'll get out of uh, your way so you can watch some college hoops. Uh, NWA is returning this week with Back for the Attack. Uh, the event will air on Fight TV, Voices of, Rest- uh, Voices of Wrestling.com slash fight, by the way, if you want to order that show. Help us out a little bit, VoicesOfWrestling.com slash fight. Uh, the card, real quickly, I'll run this down, and we can kind of give our thoughts on, on, on what we think of the NWA right now. Uh, NWA World's Heavyweight Title Match, Aaron Stevens versus the champion Nick Aldis. NWA World Television title, Tom Latimer versus the Pope, Elijah Burke. The Pope is your current champion. Number one contenders match for a Serena Deeb's NWA World Women's title, Thunder Rosa versus Camille. Crimson versus Jack Stain versus Slice Boogie versus Jordan Clearwater. That's on the show as well. We also will, the only reported things otherwise are that Chris Adonis, the former Chris Masters, will make his NWA debut. And Tyrus will make his NWA debut. Debut, of course, Tyrus, the former Funkasaurus. Tyrus is wrestling J.R. Kratos. Oh, did that, did that officially got announced then? Yeah. Okay. Well, then, Tyrus versus J.R. Kratos. Sorry for not uh, having that. I don't know who Chris Adonis is facing. Uh, the world title match, Aaron Stevens is going to wrestle it straight without the gimmick, you know, because it's like for, uh, for Josephus in honor of Josephus. So that's going to be just a straight. They're going to attempt an old school NWA world title match with that. Um, the TV title match, Elijah Burke won that title on one of the UWN primetime live deals. And Tom Latimer, look, this is a mix of guys that they had been using previously who survived uh, the, through the pandemic, still under contract, I guess. So you've got your Aaron Stevens, your Nick Aldis, of course, Latimer, uh, Camille, Thunder Rosa. Um, and then with, with a mix of some new faces like Tyrus, Jordan Clearwater, people like that. Jax Dane had actually been part of NWA right there at the end before everything shut down. So obviously with the Crimson connection, remember they were VOW, Crimson and Jax we won. Dane. We won the, we won the war because they're, 
Yeah, we sued their asses. Yeah. And, you know, we 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 uh we run the rights to this very prestigious <laughs> lettering. Um, Which can be bought, by the way, if they want to uh, pony up a, a little little sure. cash. You guys can have it. So just uh, write that check. We'll talk. We told them in court. We said, listen, if you want the VOW names, Crimson and Jack Stain, all you have to do is pony over $1 million, and it's all yours. And they balked at that. Mm-hmm. So you know what? And the price has increased a lot in the last year. Uh, let me tell you that. It We've, has. Our value is skyrocketing. A $1 subscriber at a time. So it has just skyrocketed. So I might not even take their million at this point. But uh mix of old names and new names. I don't know what it's going to look like. There's uh, obviously no Dave Lagana. There's obviously no Josephus. There's obviously no uh, Dave Marquez, who announced that he is not part of the uh, the sort of re-debut coming up this weekend or, or, or going to be part of power. Um, some of the old, you know, obviously Billy Corgan is back. Crimson is still in the mix. Um, I, from what I understand, Simon Diamond is a part of the office now at this point. I forget his uh, uh, shoot name. Uh, Pat Kenny, maybe? Is that his name? Pat Kenny? I don't know if I know his real name. I, only, I think I only know him as Simon Diamond. So. I think it's Pat Kenny. But uh, he's in the mix now. So you've got some turnover in the office. So you're, that means you're going to have turnover in the vision and how everything is presented. I'm curious. Look, the pay-per-view doesn't look great on paper. Um, I will watch it. And I'll be into power and see what kind of form that takes on Fight TV. Uh, but I do expect it to be different. Um, look, they lost some talent. They retained more than I think people thought that they would. I really thought it was an overtalked talking point when people were saying, oh, they're, they're not going to have any wrestlers and they're going to fold. I never thought that was going to be the case. They didn't have a ton of overhead while they were gone. Um, some of the people were going to stick around. They did lose some people, but I didn't think they would, you know, um, you know, Thunder Rosa, for instance, you know, I, I know, uh, you know, that, that she re-upped with them, for instance, and there's still some familiar faces there. I knew they'd be back and I knew they'd still have some of these familiar faces and, you know, they're mixing in some new ones and we'll see who stick sticks and who doesn't. Um, and I'm curious, I'll, I'll check it out. You know, I'll go in. With an open mind as usual. Yeah. Oh, I mean, I, I, I think you and I are always in favor of another place that, that potentially pays well existing. Like, I, I have no issue with that. So I, I, hope, I hope they do well. You know what I mean? Like, that, it'd be a great spot for a lot of people. It's a great kind of in-between indie for, for a lot of people to uh, kind of cut their teeth. And we've talked about it before many times. You know, NWA Power and the 10 Pounds of Gold and all that sort of stuff. There was a lot of people that improved tremendously. And, and, and it helped a lot of people's career in a short amount of time. And, and yeah, any, any other options out there that are, that are well-funded, uh, that are, you know, our effort is being put into them like that. That is always an asset to every single wrestler. Professional place to work. Yeah, it's just, it, it's great. Yeah, knowing you're going to get your paycheck in, in, on X amount of day, knowing what's going to happen, you know, having real human beings behind the company. It's not some fly-by-night operation. It's, it's yeah, that, that stuff matters. That stuff is so important uh, in wrestling. So, yeah, losing them would, would suck because it'd be one less legitimate place for guys to work. So it's cool that, you know, hopefully... Hopefully it goes well. I, I, yeah, I don't know. Like I'm, I'm not as ambitious uh, about it. And you know, some of the choices, like I don't really know that I would get Tyrus. Like I, I don't know what the benefit of that would be. And it did obviously bring a little bit of negativity. I don't know how much, but I don't know. he's got not a guy that I would really ever call because I don't think he really brings much to the table anyway. Uh, and then has his obviously his pretty uh, interesting past as well, where even fucking Fox News is like, eh, we're good, dude. So go away. 
Uh, I would probably wouldn't have called him, but other, all the other guys, I'm, I'm like, yeah, whatever. That, everyone else is fine, really. I mean, yeah, I mean, I don't know. It's not going to be enough negativity to be meaningful, I don't think. Um, but you know, it, look, here's the thing: the existence of the NWA is good for wrestling's ecosystem. Yes, that's the bottom line. Um, it's a good place for people to come in and improve their game and sharpen up. It's a good place for some of these veteran wrestlers to keep their, their themselves in the spotlight and get steady work and uh, keep their pulse going in the business. It's a good place for uh, fresh new talent to, to get some eyes on them and, and possibly break through. It's good for the NWA to exist in the pro wrestling ecosystem. It's good for MLW to exist in the pro wrestling ecosystem. It's good for all these places to exist. Whether they're cup, whether they're your cup of tea or not, uh, so I'm glad they're coming back, and I'm glad Power is coming back. The previous version of Power, I don't know what the new one's going to look like, but the previous version of Power was an easy, enjoyable one-hour watch for the year and a half or whatever that it existed. I liked it. You know, it was just laid-back, easy wrestling television, simple. Um, it helped make some careers. It helped keep some careers alive. And, um, you know, I, they did what they could during the pandemic, you know, the three shows that they ran that I forget how they branded them. They weren't called power. They were called something else. Look, they weren't that great. The UWN primetime live connection, uh, that didn't thrill me either, but now they're coming out of this on the other side, back in their regular format of power. Um, I don't think this pay-per-view is going to do well because it's a nice cold pay-per-view with no build. All it has is a Twitter build. You're not going to do good business off of a Twitter build. Yeah, I'll be honest. It surprised me that it was coming up this weekend. I really thought we had a little bit more time. And as I'm looking over my notes and I'm saying, ah, when's that NWA show? And I went, oh, it's this Sunday. Jesus Christ. Okay. Um, yeah, this yeah. this weekend. It, it, it really caught me by surprise. So don't love that. Yeah. Do not love that, of course. But uh, No, I mean, I guess they just, look, they probably want and need an influx of cash. Mm-hmm. I mean, that's what this is. Um, but I wouldn't really judge them because I don't think this one's going to do well. Let's get three or four months of power under our belts and build to a pay-per-view and see how that one does. Mm-hmm. That's more interesting to me. This one is just, we're back. We need an influx of cash. We've had zero income for the last year. And uh, we see if we could sell a couple hundred of these. You know, that that's really what this comes down to. Um, you know, so Thunder Rosa, Camille, that's an interesting match. Camille is one of their projects that they've had really from the 10 pounds of gold era till now. Um, you know, cause Deeb is still out with that knee injury. So that buys Deeb a little more time to get back. And I assume, I, I guess you can't assume Thunder Rosa is going to win that. Camille could win that. Yeah. Oh uh, yeah. Camille's, I mean, if you're, if you're trying to really kind of get things going and, and, and push people, yeah, it's probably time to get, find out what you have with Camille. So. Yeah. So it's interesting that Crimson's wrestling because he really took himself out of the ring. He was more of a behind the scenes presence during the power era. But, um, you know, they lost a lot of people. Yeah. So they need everybody. He gets back in there. But, um, you know, I'm, I'm curious to see what the show will look like. And I'm, I'm, I'm really looking forward to power coming back and seeing how it looks sort of with uh, all of the changeover and the brain trust of the company. 
All right, so that uh, is this weekend, as we said, NWA back for the attack. That is on Fight TV on March uh, 21st. Fight TV, voiceofwrestling.com slash fight, by the way, if you're going to order that show. Help us out a little bit and uh, check it out. Anyway, that's it for us. So uh, also MyBookie, mybookie.ag, promo code VOICES, again, to get into March Madness. If you were too late to get into their bracket challenge, that's okay. They're going to have stuff all throughout the month of March as well. March Madness has officially begun. We're going to let Joe go so we can get in basketball mode for the next week, and uh, maybe we'll talk to him next week, and we'll see <laughs> see how things have gone, see how his Hoyas are doing. But anyway, for Joe Lanza, I'm Rich Krejci. We'll talk to you guys next time on the Voice of Wrestling flagship podcast.